Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Soundtrack to Pulp Fiction. Oh. Soundtrack to Singles. Soundtrack to Gross Point Blank. Why do you have so many soundtracks? Oh, well, uh, I kind of look at it like uh, it's your favorite directors making a mixtape just for you. Ew. That rat thing stole pigeon chicken head. Who does she think she is? China moving on my operation. She must think Don Provolone is a chump. I got your mind twisted. Unrealistic wave limb dream. My name is Mr. McFisto. One man is born a hero. His brother a coward. Baby star. Politicians grow fat. Holy men are martyred. And junkies grow legion. Why? Luck, blind, stupid, simple, doodah, clueless luck. <laughs> and it just so happened that Joel heard it, and he liked it. Now knowing the script for the movie and seeing snippets of it, I I can understand why he he liked it, why he wanted it for the movie. didn't know you could you one would think i actually wrote it for the movie only one soundtrack is forever batman forever my name is mr mcfisto hello and welcome to this week's discographology we are more of that i'm josh the hold me of the group and with me is the kiss me kill me and thrill me of the groups i'll let them self-identify which of those they are I'm Logan, and I'm Kiss Me. This is all quite thrilling, so I, I'm <laughs> Thrill Me. I'm I'm Matt. I'm Blake. Kill me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I made the dumb joke. And I will say the reason I made that dumb joke is because today we're covering the 1995 soundtrack to the movie Batman Forever, released June 6, 1995. Um, and this is a little bit of a different episode than what we normally do. Normally, if you have listened, uh, we cover the entire discography of an artist. Uh, we just wrapped up Nirvana, and uh, we're going to move on and, and tackle another artist next. But before we get to that next artist, we are going to do this one-off on Batman Forever. A palate cleanser. So it's a palate cl- cleanser, yeah. yeah. And a little background on Batman Forever, or at least the soundtrack to it. Uh, so I said it was released June 6, 1995. The number one song the day it was released was another soundtrack song, Have You Ooh. Ever Really Loved a Woman by Brian Adams, which oh my God. was from the Don Juan DeMarco soundtrack. <laughs> and uh, the Batman Forever soundtrack uh, has kind of an interesting uh, distinction of the fact that only five of the songs on the soundtrack actually appear <sighs> in the movie. 
um, the re- the remaining uh, nine or wait, yeah, nine songs on the soundtrack are not in the movie. Um, How did man. they get on there? History will never know. Well, yeah, and <laughs> we'll never uh, know. also I, I think it's worth mentioning that only two of the songs on the soundtrack were previously available, um, and. If you were going to out to look for the Batman Forever soundtrack on streaming services, you would only five find five of the tracks. Uh, you not, would come up with Dick, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and yep. uh, I, it's I, 2020, I folks. That's how it is. There's a <laughs> there's a great uh, article on the AV Club website about this soundtrack, and I want to read just a real quick excerpt from it that kind of I think explains what this soundtrack was. So they write. Quote, the music from an inspired by album, which is what this is, was a logical outcome of this kind of bait and switch retail model. The rules were simple. Assemble a mix filled with a dozen or more completely unrelated songs, some of which, but by no means all, needed to maintain some tangential connection to a popular film. Push the tracks by the highest profile artist as singles and wait for the money to roll in as millions of people rush to buy a glorified sampler. And, uh... (laughs) Yeah, that kind of sums up what this was. It's a it's a music from and inspired by. So before we uh, really dive into that, though, it's it's probably good to kind of talk about the movie itself. So Batman Forever. Um, what was your guys' sort of uh, first exposure to the the Joel Schumacher movie Batman Forever? McDonald's cups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and and I'm I'm being dead serious. Uh, I, I did not see this in theaters when it came out. I, I'm sure I saw it at some point, middle school, high school, maybe, probably rented it on on VHS. But uh, but yeah, this is a this was a big uh, merchandising tie-in uh, movie, as I recall. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Those did, those glasses are pretty cool too. I think I remember those. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they had the Riddler one and then they had the, the Two-Face one, which was like the handle of the mug was like things so like the Two-Face was the coins, I yeah. think. And the, the Riddler was the top of his staff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I might have had some toys if they had like McDonald toys tie-ins. Oh, or maybe yeah. I'm thinking of Batman Returns or maybe both. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a picture of me on the first day of sixth grade with a Batman Forever t-shirt on outside posed against a tree in my front yard represent i'll have to dig that up but yeah so it's funny i saw this when it came out in the theaters um i think i was probably 11 at the time i saw it once with like my dad or something and it was it was like wow this batman was weird and crazy and like i don't know like i just felt different about it it was fresh it was new and it was kind of exciting and i and i really kind of enjoyed it but the kicker for me, and this is something that I'll always remember, is that my it was later in the summer, and I think I'd already, you know, turned twelve. I had a August birthday, um, but my grandma, I was staying with my grandma here in Springfield, and and she she asked me if she could take me to go see Batman, and I said I didn't tell her that I had already seen it, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, <laughs> let's go. But I was just freaking out because I didn't think like. Oh man, my grandma's not gonna like this. <laughs> I'm just like she is in for a whirlwind of like action and just ridiculousness. And so she takes me to this thing and doggone it, guys. She was I asked her what she thought afterwards. I'm like, so what did you think of that, grandma? And she's like, 
oh, well, I thought it was great. It was just like the comic books growing <laughs> up. And it was really funny. And I'm just like, I just remember that blew my mind away. And I thought that was so cool. I was like, Grandma, I just, she's not the type, she, if you knew her, she was just sarcastic and didn't get really excited about much. She was just like, well, I thought it was like the comic books of the old days. And I was just like, all right, Grandma, Grandma, you can hang. You're cool, Grandma. <laughs> but, uh, Logan, I will see your uh, your trip to Batman Forever with your grandma and raise you a, a rental of Mortal Kombat that I watched with my grandma <laughs> in, a, in a vacation situation, and, and and she did not find it as as enjoyable as uh, as your your grandma uh, appeared to, <laughs> that, uh, to find Batman Forever. Uh, well, I don't want to get us too off track, but that's kind of insane because Mortal Kombat had a reputation. <laughs> at the time even like, I, I feel like it was a limited VHS selection at a at a resort situation <laughs> okay oh. well all right grandma so... let me catch you up to speed that's Goro and he's got four arms <laughs> that's you Johnny do, Cage he punches people back, back in the forward dick. left right up you're gonna do a fatality and rip that guy's spine out <laughs> have you ever seen a spine dangle from yeah. the pit grandma but speaking of grandma <laughs> here's one thing I do want to I I do want to make a point of is after watching the movie uh, and I'll, I'll get to that here in a bit. I, I did watch the movie for this and um, I did remember that I watched after watching the extras, I learned a big thing that the whole goal that sh Joel <laughs> Schumacher was going with is that they wanted it to be a comic Joel, book Joel. come alive. <laughs> they wanted a comic book come alive for the movies. And I just I think thought. that's, Really crazy that my grandma picked up on that. And that says something that Joel Schumacher was able to get my grandma to be like, that was just like the comic books. And I mean, bam, right there. <laughs> His idea manifested, completed, fatality. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'll say, by the way, I also went to see it in the theater. Uh, I had an uncle that... Every Did you summer go with your would grandma? take us. No, I had an uncle who every summer would take us to like whatever was the the big blockbuster. I remember going to see this with him, going to see like Men in Black when it came out, that kind of thing. Um, and then I think I also owned this on VHS and watched it quite a bit on on VHS. Me too. Uh, when I was, was going around looking uh, looking for uh, Star Trek VHS at flea markets, uh, I remember seeing this a lot. They must have made oh yeah. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. 20 million VHS copies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of like the guy that wants to build like the the pyramid of Jerry Maguire tapes. You can build like a, <laughs> a, pier, a pyramid of, uh, of Batman Forever VHS. Yeah. I've not uh, heard about that guy, but, but yeah, I, you can I, I appreciate the undertaking. Uh, he, if you find any Jerry Maguire tapes, he actually wants you to send them to him. Um, he has like a post office box. You can send him <laughs> Jerry Maguire tapes. Um, Blake, what was your, uh, you know, how did you come to the Batman Forever movie? Well, I could do a whole pod. If you know me, you know uh, I love Batman. I'm a friend of the Bat in, uh, in an obsessive way. Um, I believe last episode I referenced my 200 or so Batman action figures. Um, I could do a whole podcast just talking about Batman. I could do a whole other podcast just talking about my feelings about this movie. 
<laughs> um, as a kid, I don't think I even got the privilege of seeing it in the theater, but I know I watched it at home. We had the VHS, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure I wore the tape out, and I remember liking it as a kid, or at least thinking that it was fun. But I had literally not seen it since I was a kid, let's say the mid-90s or so, until uh, just the other day when I watched it preparing for this podcast. Um, should I should I say what I thought? <laughs> of the movie? Yeah, yeah, watching it as an adult, should you, I say? What do you think of the movie, yeah. Folks, I did not care for its tomfoolery. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. So, ouch. I, I am I I am I'm like Tommy Lee Jones apparently when he first met Jim <laughs> Carrey what he said is I hate I hate you and I hate your tomfoolery <laughs> and that's what I'd like uh Joel Schumacher RIP that's what I would say to his face if I could I have too many thoughts to go into it here but let me Logan let me debate your your grandma uh god lover let's just, with facts and logic here. let's let's not be too hard on it no I'm not really going to let her have her. No, I, I won't. I won't. That's a joke. No, she can. Th- what I want to get at is are people kind of having a Mandela effect? He, here's what I wholeheartedly believe Joel Schumacher has never read a comic book, of Batman <laughs> at least, but he loved the Adam West TV show. And I think people. When they when they say oh it's like a comic it was fun and funny what they really meant was it's like that show in the sixties that I watched and I thought it was fun and funny and that's exactly what Schumacher intended to do and in that way well this movie wasn't funny like that show was yeah, and it didn't it was, succeed it was dark I, in my opinion it was Blake's giving Nima the people's elbow <laughs> it, it was supposed it to was. be darker it was darker it was more sexual yeah she came on strong. <laughs> She come Nicole Kidman comes on strong yeah. in this movie. <laughs> I mean, Nicole Kidman comes on strong. These uh, the the rubber suits come on very strong. I was I was sweating watching watching these <laughs> watching these outfits and their and their prominent nipples. But a I mean, spectacle! This, what a spectacle this movie, it is. I I do the, think this this movie greatly benefits from Batman and Robin because that showed like it even to a, everything you don't like about this one. <gasps> To a higher yeah. degree, so and see, I I knew that one was bad, and I'd seen it more recently, and everyone talks about it being bad, but I was like, oh, Batman Forever, maybe I'll like that one better, maybe it's underrated or whatever. But I just I could not get into it. That's just uh, that's just me, though. I like it better than uh, Batman and Robin. So, so would you yeah. say that it did not give you a joygasm, Blake? Because <laughs> oh my, oh, <laughs> is that oh, why is that word in there? Why why yeah, whilst thrusting into the camera in a you know with like junk bulge uh, is, is Jim uh, Carrey in this film I I never thought I'd say this but Jim Carrey needed to calm down I honestly I, I, I think the drama oh my lord I think the drama Jim Carrey would have worked better because I know he's a good actor I think his drama persona would have worked better as the Riddler here than whatever he was doing but I know that that Schumacher was was hyping him up to be whatever he was being, but that's neither here nor there. I know we're here to talk about the music. Yeah, let's 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 uh, let's actually talk about that. So that's that's how we kind of all came to the movie. And uh, but what about the soundtrack? I mean, I'll start us off and just say, like I think everybody else in the world, I was very aware of the soundtrack as a kid because there were some 
very monster smashes off of it that you heard every hour on the radio if you were alive in <laughs> 1995. So definitely had heard it a lot. And uh, for this go around, I, I popped in my Batman Forever compact disc that I got out of a bargain bin a few years back for, I think, three ninety nine, and uh, listened to it that way on CD. Again, since you can't listen to it on streaming, that's how I, I came to it this time. And uh, this was the first time I had listened to it all the way through. I'd never listened beyond just a few tracks here or there. Um, but what about you guys? What, how did you come to the soundtrack, and, and how did you listen to it this time? What's your relationship with the the music of this joygasm of a movie. <laughs> the, All right, we, we've used that word enough. <laughs> joygasm moratorium. Uh, the, <laughs> the only song that I was really familiar with this, uh, really familiar with, with this release was the Seal song, which, of yeah. course, yeah, as you mentioned, Josh, I, I was alive and listening to the radio in 1995, so I heard approximately 17,000 times. Um, I remember it being in heavy rotation uh, when we moved to the to the small town, and and we didn't get that many radio stations. There was kind of an adult contemporary station that that played it all the time. Uh, I but I had not heard very many of these songs, uh, if any, uh, prior to this, and and really enjoyed uh, listening to them. You know, any anytime you got Method Man and Nick Cave, uh, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 gonna be uh, gonna be on board. Yeah. Um... I didn't really have a relationship with the album, even though I watched the movie as a kid, other than, uh, like everybody said, of course I heard the the Seal song over and over uh, on the radio and stuff, but I didn't actually connect it to this movie because I didn't even know it was in the movie because I didn't stay around for the end of the credits, which is the <laughs> only place you're going to hear it in the movie. Um, but I was like, you know, it was that ever-present seal song. Other than that, I, I really didn't, uh, I, I wasn't familiar with this soundtrack until recently. Um, other than, like, my, my wife and some of my friends go off about it every so often, about how it's like a, you know, a movie soundtrack classic, how it's such a, a quirky, uh, eccentric uh, little, little uh, collection here. I, I feel like the, yeah, there were most... a run of soundtracks of the, this soundtrack, the Godzilla soundtrack, and yeah. um, you know a, a couple more in this kind of you know maybe ninety four to ninety nine period. Don't that, forget that... Romeo and Juliet, as everyone loves. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There you go. Radio, that, that's Radiohead. that's the other one. Uh, oh, and I didn't. Uh, the way I listened to it, to my dismay, was uh, via via YouTube. People cobbled together disparate music videos and such to make a, a makeshift track list from it because somebody at Warner Brothers or something doesn't want to make it available to the public. I wish it, we, we would have got the uh, purple and green discs from Urban Outfitters when they were available. Now it's too expensive to justify to me. So, yeah, I use YouTube. I, I also listened on YouTube. I didn't even know that it wasn't available on, on streaming. That That's a bummer. <laughs> Yeah, my friends, colleagues, and listeners, this was the beginning of my musical renaissance. It's my gateway into a <laughs> musical awakening and becoming a young man. <laughs> Let me set the scene. Can for I put a, mu a musical bed underneath? This? Yes, please. Let me set the scene. 
It was August 1995, and I had just turned 12 years old, and as a birthday gift from my parents, I had received my first CD player, so I, I had to look it up. And it's a Sanyo MCD Z7 CD compact disc stereo radio AM FM cassette tape and recorder. Uh, so this was my first CD player that I was Badass. ever got. And guess what? The first wow. CD that they paired it with was dun, 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 the Batman Forever soundtrack. And so I was pretty pumped because I had just seen the movie with my uh, my parents and then I was probably getting ready to see the movie again <laughs> with my grandma so it was right in that area and so I got the CD so you know I of course that's the only CD I had at first so I listened to it over and over and just kind of absorbed the variety of all the different vibes that were on there I was definitely like an Offspring fan. I was getting into Offspring and I was kind of of a U2 fan and had been sucked into the Seal song of course because of the you know is being played everywhere but other than that i hadn't really heard anything else so it was new like and this was kind of the first time seeing some names i saw some names that kind of rec i recognized like flaming lips and brandy brandy was really a, <laughs> i think popular at the time but this introduced me to oh, a, yeah. a lot of the great artists like sunny day real estate and nick cave and massive attack and all all of which that i'll i'll discuss a little later but this album was a it was a gateway for me, but here's how I listened to it. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty excited about this. Ugh. I listened to my vinyl copy. I think you mentioned the is it Urban Outfitters the green and purple. Yeah, co- I I mm-hmm. do have that. You have that. I do have that. So I listened to that, oh, yeah. and I listened to it on YouTube uh, Music. I also want to point out I did listen I listened to the original score by Elliot Goldenthal. And I just a side note, that's kind of fun if you're in, into that for a quick listen. Um, but I, I watched the movie and I have the VHS and the Blu-ray, but I listened to this, uh, you know, the deleted scenes. And I've also been gathering trailers of TV spots and commercials for my YouTube channel. And uh, but here's here's mm. the real deal. I actually looked up that that model of CD player on eBay and I found one oh, oh working God. I know, I know. One working unit that's, you know, apparently still worked. And so I got it and I listened to the original CD that my parents gave me on the original oh my God. <laughs> CD player that I had when I was 12 years old and listened to this album. What if that was yours? <laughs> I What if that was your unit? I checked because I feel like I banged it up against the wall and got some like white paint on the side of it. <laughs> so I was looking for spots like that. Uh, but I didn't see any. But no, I I listen. Yeah, I listen to it a lot, and I listen to it in style. <laughs> I was pumped about it. But no, yeah, wow. that's that's my listening. That's how styles. you do it. That's how you do nostalgia. It, well, if you're, I, uh, if you're just joining us, this is the podcast where we talk about Logan's purchases and then question his sanity <laughs> as to whether or not yeah, they're I told <laughs> they're normal purchases for a person to make. Yeah, this is it, folks. It's 2020. Yeah. Uh, it's all I'm down 100% the hill again, from here. With, with nostalgia electronic purchases, Logan. You, <laughs> if it's something you're into, I, I, I totally I'm understand. Kidding. I I have my things that I'm obsessed with, and uh, w- whenever we get to them, uh, God help you all. But uh, yeah, very interesting. No, it, it it was just a gateway album. You know, it was a gateway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it led you to harder albums down the line. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> 
Harder Nice. Well, uh, are we ready to jump into the tracks? Did we get everyone there? I, I think we did. Cool. All right. Let's uh, jump into the, the actual album then. So the first song is U2's Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kill Me, Kiss Me. I don't think I don't think that's it. I, it's not. It's not it. I have it as hold me, thrill me, thrill kiss me, me, kiss kill me, me, kill me. Yeah, whatever. And this song dates back to U2's Zeropa album from 1993. Uh, however, it did not appear anywhere until the soundtrack. They wrote it uh, for that album, but it did not appear anywhere. It's exclusive to this soundtrack at the time it was released. And uh, as I mentioned before, it was the first single released from this soundtrack, and it went to number 16 in the summer of 1995 in, in America. And uh, the AV Club article I mentioned earlier says that this was kind of the attempt by Schumacher to create a James Bond-style theme song for Batman. And uh, you would think with, with that kind of in mind, how it's exclusive to the soundtrack, big hit, they want it to be this big theme for Batman, that it would appear in the movie. And it does, <laughs> but not until the end credits. <laughs> and uh, one other thing I want to mention was the way that it wound up on this soundtrack, which was uh, one of my favorite things. So Joel Schumacher, the director, was actually in touch with Bono to include a character Bono had been playing on stage in their tours known as MacFisto. <laughs> and MacFisto is a character Bono played on the uh, Zeropa t- Zoo TV tour. Sorry, Zoo TV tour. <laughs> in which he would wear, like, white face paint and devil horns, and he would talk in a very, like, uh, foppish British accent, and he would prank phone call world leaders on stage uh, (laughs) as this sort of, like, Faustian devil character uh, named MacFisto. And Joel Schumacher wanted MacFisto to appear in a scene in Batman Forever. Uh, But that did not happen, obviously. (laughs) This sounds like some Tartuffe the Spry Wonder Dog by the way, bullshit. So, so, by the way, somehow somehow good judgment won out, and they decided not to do that. But uh, there is kind of a remnant of that. If you watch the music video for this song, Mac Fisto is in it as a cartoon character uh, along with Batman, sort of as a... That's what that was. Antagonist to Batman, Yeah. <laughs> Also, that, that video, I should mention, features another character Bono created on that tour, which was The Fly, which is when he would wear, like, the sunglasses and I don't know. <laughs> That's a character? That was a character Bono created on the Zoo TV tour. Uh, it's, we and could, he just kept the sunglasses. Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Anyway, uh, uh, and according to Bono, this song is about being a rock star. Uh, for instance, the, the lyric, dressing like your sister, living like a tart. If they don't know what you're doing, babe, it must be art. You're a headache. In a suitcase, you're a star. So uh, what do you guys think about this U2 song that kicks off the soundtrack? Good good energy for an opener, for an opening track. Uh, I found it to be one of the more decent songs on the, uh, on the record, even though I'm, I've never been a U2 person. I wish them no ill will. I've just never gotten into it. I'm probably the only one of us that, that can say that. 
Was that like a, there's some interesting synth stuff going on. Is that like a synthesizer patch or something in the beginning? And it's going like, I always thought it was like, I thought it was the edge doing that or something. I thought, but I could be wrong. I don't Mm, know. Maybe it sounds like a synth to me. And, And when you, when you pair it with kind of the, the the sequenced sounding I don't know if he played them live or, or if they are sequenced or maybe it's a combination of both you know that it, it sounds very much to me like a you know like kind of an early to mid nineties U two song I'm not oh, yeah. I, I'm yeah. not a big zoo rope ahead but it, it I guess I like it but you know it definitely sounds like a early nineties U two song I, I'm not as crazy about the strings what I'm I'm curious what whatever yeah. else oh thinks. really I love the strings. I, I th- I thought it was interesting yeah. that I don't know if this is normal for for you two at the time. I was like, it sounds very cinematic. It's got like a a movies uh, orchestra in the background of the song. To well, this the I band. will tell you that this song dates from a period in time. Uh, obviously, I said they they wrote and recorded this during Zuropa in '93, uh, but in between that album and their next album after this uh, soundtrack. They did a song with Pavarotti, <laughs> the opera singer, <laughs> and they did oh, some work okay. with Brian Eno. So they were definitely uh, like they did some instrumental kind of work with Brian Eno. So I think they, they were definitely he, in the kind of an experimental phase. I think he worked. Brian Eno also was like a producer on Zuropa or like kind of worked with Flood. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yes, yeah. So I told you guys, you know, I'm 12 and I get that CD player. And so I think for that birthday, I was like gifted from my uncle the Weezer Blue album. So that was my second CD that I collected. But I had a little bit of, I don't know, birthday money or something. And I thought, oh, well, I want to go out and buy my first CD. Well, guess what I buy? And this is weird, is Zuropa. (laughs) And I guess, you know, my uncle Tim had put New Year's Day on a mixtape for our family or something like that. And so I knew that song. And then I knew the the Batman song, and I was really pumped about that. So I get Zeropa, and I just thought it was like the cool band that like cool young adults would be listening to. Because I thought I look kind of looked up to my <laughs> uncle, and I'm like, yeah, he's a cool young adult, and he knows what's hip. So I'm gonna listen to you too and be cool like him. Um, I think I only heard like Mysterious Ways. Also, I think I heard that one, but uh, I remember the movie at the theater and hearing this in the end credits, and I was really surprised. I thought this was a like a heavier and almost a kind of a darker U two, and it turns out, you know, I was really into that. So it kind of sounds like a, a refashioned, yeah. like it was. I think it was supposed to be on Zuropa, but it sounds like it's been refashioned for Batman yeah. specifically. There's some weird thing that yeah. I saw out there, kind of a side note, that was talking about, like, if you look on the cover of Zuropa, it says, like, Ill Me Kiss M, like, I-L-L-M-E-K-I-S-S-M, to be like, you know, kiss me, kill me, or something like hmm. that. So I pulled out my copy I of heard, it. I'm, I heard that as I'm well. I'm trying Logan, to look yeah. at it, and I'm like, no, I don't see anything. <laughs> That's bullshit. But then I found something else, and they walked you through it, and I could kind of see it, but I was like, man, that's really digging for it. But uh, anyway, I dig the song yeah. big time. It's I think it's an epic U2 song, and it eventually led me to getting War and Octung Baby. Yeah, I I love this song. I, I love the way it fades out to those strings, Matt. Uh, I, 
It's, I it's like the very cinematic. And and again, when I read that AV Club thing about how it was like a James Bond thing, this sounds like it could have been a James Bond theme, like that, especially that make, when it mm-hmm. fades to those yes. strings. Like it is I hear perfect that for, sure. for yeah, that, that makes kind of sense. thing. I also want to mention, I love the hand claps. <laughs> I don't think enough songs have very... Uh, high hand claps. You know what I'm talking about when it does the da da da. Oh yeah, the clap clap. I noticed that at, the, at the very end. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same rhythm as something. Well, it's throughout, isn't it? Don't they do the claps? Yeah, it, it's it's from the beginning. Dun 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 dun. The clap clap. clap. I, I I like that. I don't know. It, it's I kind thought of it was him going. Thing I like to imagine. Am I thinking of the same thing? I thought it was like dun 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 dun. dun, dun. Ah, ah. I thought it was like Bono going. It's it's. Like dun, dun, dun. By the it way, both. you t- it totally could be. That's a very Bono thing to do. So, oh, I don't um, know. I, I do think it's interesting that the, of I I feel this way, and we'll have to see as we go on. But this is like the only song on this album that I feel like fits the movie it's in. <laughs> like, like it's it's like it's yeah, an action yeah, yeah. movie soundtrack, and really, there, right. this is the only huge bombastic rock song on this album. <laughs> they na- they like, nailed it. They other, nailed it. They did good. They're the they're the only ones that seem to understand what's happening. In this. They weren't. They but weren't I mean, doing. Maybe anything. they were the only ones that were told. Yeah. Uh, before I move on, I do want to mention though. Go look up Mac Fisto on YouTube and just delight and cringe in uh, Bono in the mid to early nineties. Um, what if somewhere there were a a shelved James Bond film called Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, which kind of sounds like a James Bond. James that could Bond absolutely title. be a James Bond title. Yeah, and this was a scrapped song that was going to be for that, <laughs> but then they decided to put it on this instead. Just a, that's a fan theory over on Earth too. Um, yeah. The title is actually based on a. There's a '60s song that '50s uh, '60s song that has a similar title. It's like "Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me" or something like that. Um, okay. Any other thoughts on this one before we move on? I, I want to highlight the the chorus. I think that's really the standout. Uh, the hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me line when that guitar part comes in, that's where it kicks into gear for me. And and hearing you hearing you say that they were kind of going for a bond theme type uh type sound, the the strings throughout make a little bit more sense. Um I, I still like them at the end. I, I was just less uh you know, digging them a little less uh, uh throughout the song. But um Yeah. Uh, definitely, you know, w- would would lead one to uh, to to want to check out Europa. Or Zuropa, I should say. And Europa. Uh, so track two is PJ Harvey, One Time Too Many. It bleeds me. It tease me. One time too PJ Harvey at this point was doing pretty well. Uh, she had had her biggest single so far in February of 1995. Uh, the song Down by the Water uh, had went all the way to number two on the rock charts in America. And this song, One Time Too Many, though, was not released until the soundtrack. It's exclusive to the soundtrack. And thus, it is not available on streaming services. Uh, also, should mention, does not appear in the movie at all. Uh, not even in the credits. So why would it? <laughs> this song, uh, I'll, I'll kind of start us off with uh, my my feelings. I want to say this is probably 
if I were listening to the soundtrack, this is the one first one I would like be like, all right, I'm going to go to the next song. Like I would skip over it. I'm not saying it's my skip it, but I, I am saying this is one that I was like, eh, kind of lukewarm on. It, it grew on me a little bit, but I don't know. I didn't care for it too much. I, I like the way the guitar sort of mimics her vocal melodies, uh, gives it that sort of slightly distorted feel to her, to her voice, which I think is kind of a cool thing. And I also like the kind of dynamic shift there um, in the middle where everything dies away except for the kind of hi-hat and vocals and guitar. But um, other than that, yeah, this one I didn't really find that compelling. Um, and I found that one organ note that just stays on the ent- for like a prolonged period of time with no changes to it, like very distracting. <laughs> There's like an organ note that's held out really long kind of yeah. in it that just really bugs me for some reason. But I don't know. Uh, uh, what do you guys feel about PJ Harvey one time too many? I'll, I'll roll with you, Josh, on that thought. Unfortunately, like at 12 years old, this song did not gel with me at all. <laughs> luckily, the high, the high energy of you two. Yeah, luckily, my new CD player had a fabulous skip button that was so cool to me. I'm like, wow. oh, I can skip. I don't have to fast forward my tape, <laughs> you know? So that was cool. <laughs> However, I appreciated it finally more this time around. I would again find PJ Harvey only like a year later on the 1996 uh, Crow City of Angels soundtrack that I purchased. And Mm. so I would hear her again. And that track was called Naked Cousin. And I think I like that one a bit more. However, I do like how she depicts these cyclical relationship troubles with whiny men. (laughs) I I, I can tell she's fed (laughs) up. And it comes through in the song. I definitely... Appreciate it more this time, but not one I really need to come back to. But being honest with you, Josh, like when I was a kid, I definitely skipped over. I'm not saying this is my skip it, but this is someone I just instantly just skipped over after hearing it a couple times. <laughs> it's kind of bold for a track, too. Yeah, because like but... I said, she had kind of a hit early that year, but she wasn't a very well-known artist at all at the time. Yeah. But uh, good, good on them for for giving her a chance. I ha- I haven't given PJ Harvey enough of a chance. I don't think. Um, I know I, I I should have. But uh, I put that this song didn't thrill me. But uh, I still rec- I still thought it was decent. I kind of like the production and that 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 dirty grimy sound of it. And it's got a got a nice little swing to it. But um, it wasn't much to write home about although it got me thinking okay who who is picking these songs and why <laughs> that's a that's an excellent question in, I don't in know. the context why, oh, of why? the batman forever film this is a yeah this is exactly. a questionable choice now, to make <laughs> what uh, is what is this to do with batman again and then i then i ask myself that over and over I, so yeah I, I guess i like this one uh a bit more than than you guys it, it's uh not you know not top tier but maybe you know we're right at the top of the second tier uh i i really like the production as well um you know everything's really kind of it, it's it's crunchy but it's also clean and 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 um you know she worked with uh with steve albini and i don't know that this is an albini production but it's it, it's a uh an albini like production you know kind of that mm-hmm. sitting in the room feel uh, it reminds me a lot of uh something that you might hear kind of, you know, influenced or by plastic Ono band 
that uh, you know that kind of raw I see production. I, Josh, you mentioned that organ note. I love that organ note. Uh, you know, it, it just kind of puts a bed down, and and you know, you just just freak yeah. out with it. But um, it, <laughs> maybe it's why is this on this high. record? It, I don't know. It's pretty high. I'll, I'll agree. It uh, just feels why? distracting. You know. <laughs> Um, not sure why or why or what this has to do with with Batman Forever, but I, I was glad to hear it, and and w- uh, will definitely seek out uh, more PJ Harvey from what I've heard. You know, I, I've always heard good things, and um, this is kind of the 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 kick in the pants I need to uh, uh, to get deeper in. Well, speaking of uh, sitting in a room, Matt, uh, the the next song is Brandy's "Where Are You Now." Brandy, uh, her debut album had come out the year before this, and she had had a few kind of minor hits by the time she appeared on that soundtrack. But actually, in 1995, she was on another soundtrack, the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack, which included her song Sitting Up in My Room, which would be her biggest biggest hit to that time. It was a pretty big song, and that song also rules. I don't know if you've listened to Sitting Up in My Room, but... No, that song is amazing. (laughs) It's pretty good. Uh, this song, uh, Where Are You Now, though, was actually written and produced by one Mr. Leonard Kravitz. Uh, he he <laughs> also played all the instruments on this track, uh, in addition to producing and writing it. And, Lenny Kravitz uh, this was a, did? Who? Lenny Kravitz did. I did not yeah, know really. that. Really? Even yeah. the drums? He played everything. R- oh, okay. Drums, right. bass, guitar, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and... This is a uh, one that does appear in the movie. Our first song that appears in the movie. Ah, it's, it's Enter the Glow Stick Gang. <laughs> it's in the it's in the scene after uh, Dick Grayson has stolen the Batmobile and he's taken it out for a cruise and he pulls up on some some uh, some hoodlums uh, with glow sticks, as Blake pointed out, and this song comes on for some reason. Um, this song was exclusive <laughs> to this soundtrack. Um, as such, not available on streaming services. And this was actually released as a single. It was the fourth single from this album, but I don't think it did very well, like on the charts. People might have been tired of Batman songs by then. This is the fourth one. <laughs> they had Batman fatigue had set like, in. We've heard enough Batman songs. I've got all these cups from McDonald's. What else do you want from me? <laughs> um, what else do I got to buy? This one this one grew on me pretty well. I I. I I actually kind of dig this song. Uh, it's not like a favorite on the album, but uh, I like the way the two guitars kind of work together on it, where you've got one kind of playing that same riff over and over again, while the other kind of plays that descending chord progression, you know? Um, I, I, I like that. It does get a little repetitive after a while, where it's the same descending progression throughout pretty much the entire song. Um, but I don't know. It has enough of a groove that I, 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 I like it. And uh, the different little guitar licks at the end, especially, I find cool how they kind of intertwine and kind of do this like psychedelic funk kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a middle of the pack song for me on this album. But I do think uh, kind of like how Matt said, the PG Harvey one was at the top of his second tier. I'd put this one kind of at the top of my second tier uh, on this album. Yeah, it it does have a good groove, Josh. Uh, as As soon as that drum kicks in i'm i'm kind of like ooh, this this kind of bangs maybe 
um, even before like looking at who the artist was, you hear the you hear the bass, and then you hear the these funky clean guitars come in, and you're like, is this a Stevie Wonder joint? Like that's legitimately what it sounded like to me. Yeah, um, very seventies so funk. I, I I hear you. Yeah, yeah. It sounds straight out of Songs in the Key of Life, at least for that for that intro. So it's nothing but, uh, I guess, Mr. Kravitz on drum, bass, <laughs> uh, two guitars, and uh, Miss Brandy's sweet and sultry voice. Uh, no <laughs> other elements in the song as far as I could hear. Um, and yes, it is, it's that same progression throughout, and it stays the same during the chorus, but the, the chorus uh, does get pretty catchy, d- despite it being uh, the same progression still. Uh, so I, I dig it in general. Holy Wawa, Batman. <laughs> funky, funky what, intro. You said holy what? Holy Wawa, Batman. That wah uh, pedal. Guys, that, that wah pe- that wah. Yeah. It's like throughout the entire song. Yeah. Okay. Funky intro. Those opening vocals are so sugary. I can't stand it. You know, it's just uh, those harmonies go. I don't know. It's a good warm up before Seal's opening harmonies, you know. <laughs> I I like this song and I always have and I think that's really weird for me. I don't understand why I like it. Um but I think Brandy has a strong voice and I think there's some good things musically obviously that are happening and I have to feel like I should change what I was thinking because I didn't know Lenny Kravitz was doing it so that kind of changes everything. But it's very it, it sounds like her voice is floating on a bed of clouds. It's just smooth brand you know just all things nice and brandy it's very groove oriented it's like butter great bass lines in the wah guitar oh my god but the little weird guitar finger tapping thing that starts coming in at the end is kind of cool but it goes on like so long into the end of the song <laughs> you know honestly it sounds like something like stupid i would play or you know it's just like well quit playing that <laughs> But I do have to ask, I do love the song, but does any, can anybody confirm, was she, did she ever make an appearance on Nickelodeon's All That? Am I making that up? Or did she ever have an appearance on another Nickelodeon show? Because I feel like that's how I was. Well, she was on well, Moesha. She had Moesha, yeah. Moesha was her, her show. But I, I don't think she, it was a Nickelodeon show. seems one. like. But I never watched. She seems like the kind of musical guest that all, all that would have. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Because I never watched Moesha, but I did watch all that. And I feel like, because that's where I saw Debrat. I saw Me too. Debrat on. Uh, <laughs> On Nickelodeon, they had some bangers. Well, TLC, obviously. Well, it's possible because juvenile. She she like got really. I mean, like I said, this was the same year that "Sitting Up in My Room" came out, which was her big breakthrough hit. Okay, and then yeah, I was just curious. After she had the the boy is mine and all that down the road, the late nineties. So yeah, From I was the just curious. Ticker, uh, she appeared on an episode of All That in nineteen ninety five, uh, hosted by Malcolm nah. Jamal Warner. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nice. Good pull. See, I'm not crazy, nice. guys. I'm not crazy. And Moesha debuted in January of 1996. Damn, Brandy had a a, a very packed year there. Too. A good run. Matt, what'd you think about uh, this this song? I like it. Um, I did not know that it was Lenny Kravitz. Uh, that makes a lot of sense in listening to it. You know, it's it's just straight up uh you know all every trick in the 70s funk book um josh you mentioned the, the 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 paired guitars uh they're also stereo panned which i thought was a really good effect um 
they can do that little uh, that little wah uh, arpeggio as much as they want. It's not going to wear out. It's welcome for me. Uh, the chord progression, you know, does kind of drag a little bit, I think, um, and uh, wears out. It's welcome somewhat. I really like the chords on the bridge. Uh, you know, kind of when it. Uh, oh, and now I've got the when it deviates from the descending yes. chord progression. <laughs> yeah, the um, I'm taking it easy. I cleared my head. Uh, bridge. I really like when when those chords kind of uh, come in and kind of break up the um, I don't want to say monotony, but just the, the the steady groove of uh, of that that walk down part. Um, but I, I was I was glad to hear it. I hadn't heard it before. Um, I have for, I had forgotten about until you mentioned sitting in, but sitting up in my room, Josh, and and that is that is a legit banger. Um, you know, th- this one obviously not quite as good, but. Uh, uh, I feel like it makes more sense on this kind of a record than uh, than the PJ Harvey song does. Well, I know for me, when I think about like street toughs hanging out in an alleyway, <laughs> getting ready to rob somebody, I think about listening to Brandy. <laughs> we bump well, Brandy there, in there this were gang. Implied sex workers, I think. When I think uh, that was yeah the implication. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, uh, the next step song into is, my love. Oh, go ahead, my love ahead. machine. I was just gonna say, step into my love machine. Anybody? Anybody? Batman Forever. What? Very good. Well, I don't know what that is. He yells at him. The the sex workers, it's Robin, and he's in the Batmobile. Oh. He's like, hey, get into my love machine, baby. Oh. But I didn't want to say it all like, you know, <laughs> stereotypical and be terrible about it, but I guess I had to. No, I get, uh, no, I get you. Well, I just I forgot the line, but well, I will tell you that in nineteen nine in nineteen ninety five, Logan, if anyone was going to have a love machine and they were trying to get people into it, the song they would put on is the next song on the soundtrack, and that is Seal's Ooh. Kiss from a Rose. Relative unknown song. No, uh, so and how many people got laid off of this song? <laughs> so Seal was well known by this time. Uh, <laughs> he had had a big hit in 1991 with the song "Crazy," and actually, "Kiss from a Rose" dates back to 1987. He had written it in 1987, Whoa. and wow. he ha- he did not like it at all. He actually tried to throw it out. And his producer, a guy named Trevor Horn, who I found out had been in the group The Buggles, if you remember uh, Video Killed the Radio Star, that was oh, his yeah, producer. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Horn res- rescued the demo, kind of manipulated it, and had Seal re-record it in 1994 for Seal's second album, and so it was put on Seal's second album in 1994. Seal still hated it enough that it was only the third and final single from that album and didn't chart very much at all. It even had a music video and everything. But it was heard by Joel Schumacher, who liked it and thought this would be great to soundtrack a love scene between Bruce Wayne and Dr. Meridian in his movie. If if only it had. Nobody it w- didn't happen. He did nobody, not wants, in- nobody wants a love scene in a Batman movie. Just no. <laughs> so it didn't. That's, it that's did not. It did not. Uh, it didn't appear. Joel Schumacher did in the movie, but it does appear 
after the U2 song in the end credits of Batman Forever, and it was released as You the... hear about 30 seconds of the song, <laughs> to be to be fair. While you're finding out no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. Um, yeah, exactly. So uh, it, it was released as the second single after the U2 song, and of course became a, a huge smash hit. They did another video for it, featuring some Batman imagery, directed by Joel Schumacher, who directed the video, and can I uh, say, oh, Schumacher directed that? He directed the music video, the second music can video. Can I say it's yeah, it, that video yeah. is in the, the top five videos where someone sings in front of a bat signal? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so it became this huge smash hit, uh, as we, we all know, probably the, the biggest song from this album, if not of 1995. I mean, I didn't look that up, but I'm, it probably was up there. So what do you guys think about this one? Uh, this is, it's kind of like we're going back to when we talked about smells like teen spirit. This is like, you know, on that par of a smash hit, yeah. maybe not as epic defining, but it's, uh, it's hard to, uh, to think about it not existing. So, what- but it is what it is. It is hard to have an opinion because it simply is <laughs> also, what is it? Can someone just tell me what it is? No. Is it a ballad? It's See, an adult contemporary it love song, uh, combined with like, medieval Rinfair loot shit. <laughs> I, I don't uh, think Seal even knows. He he refuses to explain I, what it's about. What does it mean? Uh, there is speculation that when it snows means cocaine, though. Oh, when that's always... When it snows, thing, my right? eyes become large. Seal's oh. doing the old booger sugar and his pupils are dilating, oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. Uh so he's 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 doing he's doing rails and getting all cranked up to go like visit his lover's grave and put a rose on it. It's not a grave, can- it's gray. Gray. Bullshit. Yeah, the lyric well, why, is gray. Why does he sing I've been kissed by a rose? But why is the song called Kiss from a Rose? That's always that's, <laughs> that's always bothered me cuz he's know. like I've been kissed <laughs> by a rose, but it, the song's Kiss from a Rose. Which is it, Seal? Which is it? Wow. I don't know. By the way, I do have to mention the part you just you just mentioned, though, Logan. That is probably my least favorite part. It sounds like a college a cappella group suddenly in the middle <laughs> when it's like everything stops. And he's like, I've been. And then other people come in. I'm like, this just sounds like a college a cappella like, choir. It's the B sharps. Nah. <laughs> I disagree, bro. I I love the I love the acapella bridge where everything <laughs> drops out and just these bell tones of seal come in. Yeah, it, love it that rules bridge. pretty hard. I, I will. It's a great I will agree song, with you, but that one part, I'm like, ah, oh, come, uh, yeah. But the rose, the rose is on a grave. Why no, would a rose be on a gray? It's gray. It is gray. It's gray. And it's what like, does that mean? What's that mean? Really? We don't know. I don't know. What's it mean? By the way, of all the adult contemporary songs, though, on the soundtrack, this is the one that is the closest to one that fits Batman. I mean, the the lyrical imagery kind of fits Batman more than like, you know, the Brandy one or, you know, the Eddie Reader song we're going to talk about soon. Uh, uh, does it? Batman gave Seal the yeah, wings to dark, soar. Mysterious. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. The bat, the bat wings. Ugh. No, I do like this song, Logan, by the way. I should I should mention I, I think that uh it has this the hallmark of really good vocal melodies, which is that even though you don't know the words, you remember the phonetics of the words. So <laughs> everybody's just sort of like 
Like, they don't even know what the words are. They just know the melody because it's such a good melody. Yeah. Um, So I I like it. I do. Uh, I love that stop in the second verse when it like everything stops. And he's like, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pain. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. It's got some very interesting uh, uh, little vocal runs that, that take a lot of talent to hit those. I, I don't even know what what you call them but i'd uh, love to know how many vocal tracks there are because they're you know i i think i hear at least three and, and it's definitely you know kind of a, a smorgasbord of uh of vocals one, one thing that i i noticed going back and listening to it is that i there are things that you think are in particular places in the song but they're actually somewhere else uh you know somebody was yeah. singing the the you remain um Yep. Where I always feel like that that was going to land, uh, it, it doesn't land there f- for me. So it, it kind of you know it, uh, takes me out of it a little bit. But um, it's very slick sounding. You know, it's definitely a a uh, you know professional. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna make a uh, make a pop record uh, sound to it. Um, you know, from the the uh, uh, I mentioned the the kind of almost Ren Fair sounds earlier. I think yeah. this is just before everyone had to have span uh, classical guitar, nylon string guitar, and every <laughs> in all their songs. You know this this is the this is the precursor uh, uh, to to that whole wave. I think is is the uh, when, when they're they're doing the the bed of that sting that or whatever it is. What genre is this song? I don't know. Adult contemporary so is is that a genre? Okay, is that's that a good. recognized genre? I, I it kind of it when you can't put it in another category, it's it's adult contemporary. By the well, way, I I feel like Logan has been quiet, and I think he's been quiet because he's just waiting to give us his thoughts on this song, which I have a feeling are going to be uh, pretty spectacular. So uh, no, Logan's uh, going to have I, some takes. No, it's a good one. That's it. It's a good one. It's a good song. That's all you have to say. I yeah. thought you would like you know be waxing rhapsodic about this song like how great it is no it's a good song i i can't decide if this song or the next song is the first in my trilogy uh logan has had some trilogies the last few uh or a couple of shows and and i have a trilogy of my own uh this this episode and and this song and the next song kind of share the first position, I, I think, in that trilogy, the the adult contemporary chil- trilogy of, uh, okay. of the record. If I could do one final thought on Kiss from a Rose. Soundtrack music videos utilizing clips from the movie. Have these clips ever brought anything to the video? I, I guess it's just another way to show your movie off for people to go, I want to go see but, that movie. Yeah. But I I've never seen a video where I, where I couldn't just re- remove all those clips and it would be better. Like I don't maybe it's just a pet peeve, but uh, it they seem so tacked on. I I would literally watch four minutes of him singing in front of the bat signal with the camera panning all around. That would be better to me than these like tossed in Joker uh mug, Joker mugging from Joker fuck. <laughs> Everybody plays like their Joker. But everybody's I, acting I like tell the you Joker what I would in this movie, but it's Riddler. Seal standing in front of the bat signal, he's singing, and then out of nowhere comes Macfisto, and he just fucking <laughs> decks him, and they be they get into a fight. You know, Macfisto versus he, Seal. He prank calls him. I just want to order uh, Macfisto from McDonald's or something. They got those. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, you I would like you the Macfisto McFlurry. 
I, I do have to point out because there's gotta be somebody who's like, he's saying that wrong. It is Mac Fisto. I, I looked it up. He does not call himself Mick Fisto. It's not it's Mephisto. It's not Mephisto? I thought no, it was Mephisto. He, is it a, is but I don't is know. Is it like the Irish version of Mephisto? I I swore he says Macfisto. I thought it was it's the like Irish version of I, Mephisto. M E P H I S T O. I thought it was Mephisto or something, but I didn't like jump down that rabbit hole too far. Yeah. Speaking of rabbit, let's move on to the next. Anybody got, uh, speaking of rabbits, actually, the, the next song mentions rabbits in the lyrics. Uh, does anyone uh, have any other thoughts, though, on, on this one about seals and kissing from roses in the gray? <laughs> Kissed by a seal? No. <laughs> All right. Next up is Massive Attack featuring Tracy Thorne. The hunter gets captured by the game. And uh, this song is a cover. It was written in 1966 by Smokey Robinson. It was originally recorded by the Marvelettes in 1967. Grace Jones covered it in 1980. Blondie in 1982. Massive Attack at this point were a pretty well-established electronic outfit. Uh, And Tracy Thorne uh, was kind of well-known. She was in Everything But The Girl, but they really hadn't achieved massive success yet. However, their 1994 song, Missing, would be remixed in the fall of 1995, and become a massive club hit. So following this soundtrack, Missing by Everything But The Girl blew up, went to number two in America, uh, even yep. though it predates the soundtrack. So, And uh, yeah, uh, so the, the song is not in the movie. Um, the lyrics, I do feel like, kind of fit the movie, though. And uh, the, the song was exclusive to the soundtrack and thus not available on streaming services. And uh, I, I will just start us off and say that I kind of love this song. <laughs> like if you were to ask me to name my top three songs on this album, this would be one of them. I don't know why. I just, I mean, I like massive attack pretty well. And I just feel like Tracy Thorne's voice fits it perfectly. It's like got that very cool trip hop thing, that Portis head thing almost. Um, and, and, you know, they would work together on stuff later, uh, massive attack and Tracy Thorne, but it just, I don't know. It, it strikes me as perfect for this soundtrack, perfect for a Batman movie and uh, the pluck strings, you know, kind of add this nice mysterious tension to it. And uh, I I just, I I really like it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. I like, I like Tracy Thorne's voice as well. Uh, I I need to go back and listen to uh, missing the original version because I feel like I've only heard the club mix of missing. (laughs) And uh, let me tell you, it's a great song to skate to. Um, (laughs) Already made, already made that joke though. Um, But I got to say, I just, kind of found this to be a boring song i don't know didn't Whoa, leap out Blake, to me you uh didn't, you uh, caught me out at a left field I, there i'm surprised really yeah yeah i'm surprised is this uh, go on go on I, i'm just saying I, i'm surprised That's no all. i i really i really don't have anything i uh, the, the song didn't didn't grab me and maybe it's not my thing is it supposed to be my thing and does it seem like it would be i just well, I mean, I don't know, but I, in in my opinion of what I know about you, I felt like that this would be up your alley, so to speak. Okay. I'm just surprised. 
Well, I, I need okay. to give it another listen. It's fine. I, I think this song is all vibe. And um, yeah, I've had the benefit of listening to it for, you know, since I've been 12 years old. So I, I, I could be biased. But, you know, not only is it a great cover, but and we all know that Tracy's voice is, you know, pretty lush and soulful. Um, but the, the music, it grabs, it's just, it's so creepy. And whatever it is, the violin or cello, but the plucks, like Josh mentioned, that's amazing paired with that drony string, like, bed underneath. And the keyboards at the end that simulate the whistling sound, that just sends me into a different mm. world. I get, like, the hair on the back of my neck just raises up. The deep but simple bass line. And I just love the the world and the atmosphere that this song creates. It's just like you can almost, I don't know, like listening to it late at night in the dark, you know, when I was 12 years old and just, I was just like, wow, this is really creepy and just creates this whole other world to me. I think I just got really uh, into that. Yeah, that's it. I, I'm right there with you. You know, everybody's mentioned the, the pizzicato strings and, and I agree, you know, uh, that, that they're very effective at, and if, you know, we, we think that its goal was to kind of create this, you know, kind of creepy environment, I think it, it succeeded, uh, you know, uh, very much in that endeavor. Uh, I, I hadn't taken the time to to look up and find out that this was the singer from uh, Everything But the Girl, because I kept thinking, huh, this sounds like Everything But the Girl. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And... Um, you know, and I, I went back and listened to that original uh, version of Missing, and it, it kind of threw me for a loop because I was definitely also more uh, familiar with uh, with the club uh, club right. remix. Um, I, I think I, I think the song works. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of this combined with Seal, like I said, is the first in my uh, mid '90s uh, adult contemporary trilogy. It just has that vibe. You, uh, you can definitely skate to this song. Or at least you know it might be um, it might be the song that they put on as couple skate. Couple skate would be would be a good one. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I, I like feel the- like it's too mysterious for that. Like it doesn't. It's not <laughs> romantic to me at all. Like it's almost like a stalkerish kind of vibe for some reason. Yeah, that's what couple that's skate what with I'm, someone you don't know that well. That's what I'm talking about. Like those plucks just like get you like, Ugh, what's behind me? Is somebody like watching me? Like this secretly could be the best song on the album i for me i'm it not gonna, about praying I'm not gonna on say someone, so. logan that, you may be revealing something i wow. i said maybe secretly maybe but i agree with matt like this is also well, the first part in a trilogy for me so i'll just say that that it's oh, uh, okay yeah all right so, well uh, so matt and as i are we move on, on to find out that trilogy in we we can say uh, definitively on this song, Blake is wrong. Everybody else is right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and- <laughs> fuck, fuck me, I guess. <laughs> the next Way song to go, Blake. is uh, <laughs> Eddie Reader, <laughs> Nobody Lives Without Love. Try to lock your heart away. 
now we begin the part of my research that was tough. So Eddie Reader is a uh, Scottish singer and actress. She had some hits with a band in the 80s called Fairground Attraction. Um, oh, that sounds like a mess. This song in particular... Uh, was co-written actually by Larry Klein, who was Joni Mitchell's former husband. And guess who produced this song? Trevor Horn, the guy from the Buggles that produced mm. the Seal song as well. Same ah. producer as Kiss from a Rose. Maybe that's how. And uh, this <laughs> this song got some notice from critics. Uh, a guy from is it Gannett or Gannett News Service uh, wrote. Quote, aside from the big names of the soundtrack, there's another song that could see heavy radio play. This is from a review at the time. Nobody Lives Without Love by Eddie Reader is a ballad that rivals Brandy's contribution. If the rest of her material is as impressive as her voice, Reader could get a big, get as big a boost from this record as the movie itself. Um, I smell payola. (laughs) One other thing I did find about Eddie Reader, though, it's not necessarily like pertinent to her music but apparently the thing she's known for in the uk is being a hardcore scottish nationalist like who Whoa. advocates for violent revolution against britain <laughs> like she's had relatives were, that were involved in some some like violent movements in the early 20th century so i thought that was kind of interesting she's been on like some news shows commenting on scottish british politics this is not in the movie and was exclusive to the soundtrack, which, as we all know, means it's not available on streaming. And I did want to point out one thing I think is really funny. If you go to Genius.com and look at the lyrics for this song, the line, Can You Save Me, Baby? Whoever has written in the lyrics has spelled baby, B-A-Y-B-E-E. <laughs> like, I'm the Joker, That's a, baby. Hey, baby. <laughs> That's acceptable. So whoever wrote in the lyrics Alternate for this song, Can You Save Me, Baby? Scottish babies um, are different. Scottish babies are, should have independence from uh, the UK. So uh, I don't know. Uh, I could I could start with my opinions on this one, which is that it's okay. Um, it kind of grew on me. Uh, I feel like the chorus melody is actually pretty good. Um, it, that especially grew on me, um, which I'm not going to sing here, but you can look up the chorus melody. It's it, it just felt Sing it. It 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 hooked me a little more. Um, but other than that, this song wasn't that gripping for me um it reminded me as, as we've mentioned a lot of adult contemporary it reminded me of that mid-90s adult contemporary era of like sean colvin and paula cole although it's worth noting i looked it up this song predates both of those two artists big hits they had by a couple of years like those if you remember the big sean colvin sunny came home and Paula Cole, yeah. where have all the cowboys oh, gone? My dad remembers. <laughs> that was all night, like 1997, 98, which is uh, surprising. This album, though, I do want to mention, uh, came out the same month as Natalie Merchant's Tiger Lily, mm. which I feel like kind of kicked off that wave of female singer-songwriters. So uh, that's where I feel like this song sort of lives. And um, I don't know, it's okay, but it's definitely not one of my favorites on this album. What about you guys? This sound sounds exactly like 1995. Uh, <laughs> this is this is the most representative of my. Uh, I'm I'm calling it the the Hot Nine at Nine uh, trilogy uh, because oh, yeah. it's the the kind of song that I would hear on my first stereo, Logan. I I appreciated hearing your your tale of your first stereo because I had a similar. Uh, similar stereo that I, I was I was given as a Christmas present, but uh, yeah, every night at nine o'clock they would play the you know the 
the top nine singles and and this type of song would uh would definitely be one of those songs that they sing or, or that they played um i feel like i want to like this more but it just doesn't do it for me you know the they're kind of do trying to do an ethereal thing, um, you know, almost kind of like a, a Julie Cruz thing. But I, I don't think the beat is good enough. I, I do agree with you, Josh, that that second phrase, particular in particular in the chorus, is um, you know it is a really good melody. Um, but uh, yeah, it, this it, this just takes me back twenty five years to you know sitting in bed at nine listening to uh, uh, to this, and then the next song would would probably be uh, you mentioned Sean Colvin and uh, Paula Cole. This reminds me of Donna Lewis. Does anybody remember? Uh, oh yeah, Donna Lewis. I like that Donna Lewis song. Though. It's a good song, uh, but, but it it kind of has a little bit more electronic elements than than some of those other uh, artists that yeah. you mentioned. I, I I feel more, and I wonder if that's a a British versus or or at least a uh, Scottish. Don't, fu- I don't say. fucking I, call her British. <laughs> she will come find you. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I, I I I beg your pardon, uh, Ms. Uh, reading, but. Uh, I wonder if 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 that that kind of more electronic bent is a uh, is an across the pond uh, thing as opposed to some of those other uh, you know Paula Cole and and Sean Colvin songs. Donna Lewis was from uh, I think also from uh, the UK or, or Australia perhaps, um, which is you know the, the the first song that I thought of when when I heard this. Yeah. Yeah, that that whole hot nine at nine, uh, sitting in bed with my very first boombox experience is so uh, it it connects in an eerie way, and I'm kind of freaked out by it because <laughs> I think I think I and I I, I taped a lot of the songs. Uh, I don't know if if you guys did that too. I taped the songs off of there. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. To listen to later, like uh, I don't know. I'm sure Missing was on there and Labouche and shit like that. Um, yeah, the, I, I'm definitely feeling the uh, the adult contemporary trilogy uh, by this point, and uh, maybe I'm getting a little bit of adult contemporary fatigue by this point. <laughs> uh, the song uh, didn't grab me in any particular way. I I noted that it had a had an okay chorus. It was kind of catchy, and, and still I I don't have a lot of thoughts other than I'm just thinking why why these song choices. Um, I don't know if anyone looked up like who the <laughs> did this soundtrack I, I, have a director? I did. I did look up the person that directed it, but like when I looked that person up, I couldn't find any information on them other than uh, they also put together like well, yeah. Other stuff. Joel Schumacher's personal friend, the person who compiled this. I, <laughs> I just want to. I just want to show them the the Joe Biden gift that, that says why 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 why. <laughs> uh, what what does this have to do with Batman? I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's all I got for for this one. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Oh no! Right, oh no! Did we make him? Okay, folks. I'm just gonna spill the beans. Okay, here we go. We're gonna see how this goes. First off, I, I'm I guess I'm just gonna have to be the one to bear the uh, Eddie Reader flag here. Um, but this first off, this follows Massive Attack perfectly. It leads into this. Just perfectly, because, you know, we got off that high point of that that banger of a seal just, like, being kissed from the rose. And then we get all creepy and, like, down-tempo, and we're like, ooh, we're into a new territory. And then that goes right into this this song, and it's it's perfect. But it's more of an upbeat yet melancholy kind of song that has some really great atmosphere, I thought, 
Um, Matt kind of touched on, you know, them trying to build some atmosphere, but it even builds into more of a rock vibe, like at one point, which I kind of get into. But speaking of rocks, paying attention to the lyrics, does she fall off a mountain in the beginning of the song? <laughs> like, that's that's terrifying. Like, I think she legit what? falls off of a mountain. And I don't know. You'll have to check out the lyrics. But uh, oh. there's lots of reverb, which I love. And... I've never checked her out or checked into like any of her music. I would love to hear more stuff that sounds similar to this because I think there's some cool instrumentation going on, like the horns or if they're maybe synth horns or maybe it's all synth. I don't know, but I enjoy it. And this and the Tracy Thorne song help pave my way into gloomy, introspective female-led music. And, like, the first influencer was coincidentally on the Batman Returns soundtrack, uh, Susie and the Banshees, with their track Face to Face. So those three songs, like, kind of led me into liking that kind of down-tempo vibe. And I'm down for the song. You guys are kind of saying adult contemporary, and I can kind of get where you're coming from, but I'm kind of like, oh, I'm into this more down-tempo, like, atmospheric ethereal female voice like i don't i don't know that just kind of i love it i liked it a lot all right well uh, guess take. what good you take. get some more of that coming up because the next song is mazzy star tell me now wherein uh, we will find out whether josh's uh disinterest in the blues oh, is exceeds oh, his oh, enjoyment oh, of girl oh, singers <laughs> hold on Uh, so Ma- Mazzy Star, uh, Fade, it, Fade Into You, which is the big Mazzy Star uh, hit, had actually come out the year before in 1994, went to number three on the U.S. rock chart. So Mazzy Star was pretty well known by the time this soundtrack came out, although they never would achieve that success again. Um, that was their kind of lone big hit. Uh, although I, I want to point out that the lead singer of Mazzy Star, Hope Sandoval, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, would go on to be the vocalist on Massive Attack's song pa- Paradise Circus in 2010, which was kind of one of the biggest Massive Attack hits. Um, so she kind of took the Tracy Thorne role there in 2010. Um, this song is not in the movie, exclusive to the soundtrack, and not on Spotify. And uh, I'm going to wait. I don't want to reveal my opinion on this till the very end. I'm going to go last. Uh, Matt, you go first. What are your thoughts on Mazzy Star's Tell Me Now? I think it's good, um, and it. I think it fits reasonably well. I, I guess in a uh, uh, in a soundtrack environment, um, maybe not a soundtrack for this movie, but uh, uh, I think it works. Um, it doesn't grab me, and if you're gonna do a you know kind of a a, a simple um, you know low key instrumentation song, I I feel like you need to bring a little bit more of the goods than. Um, than than what they have here and 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 i might feel differently you know listening at different points and and different moods because you know if if you're sitting on the back porch and drinking a beer yeah this this probably hits you know hits you one way but if you're uh you know out and about and in the car it would it would hit you a different way uh 
I think it's a fine song, but um, I don't. Nothing really. Nothing really uh, stands out to me necessarily. I have a. I have similar feelings about it. Um, were any of you real familiar with Mazzy Star other than Fade Into You before this? Fade Into You is it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same. Like I. I did. I just. It's not a band I'd really heard other than that, and I think my wife. I love played. Fade Into You. It's a good song. Yeah. Uh, so does so does Jessica, and she'll she'll murder me for even saying that this stuff is mediocre. But um, <laughs> based on this, tell me now and fade into you. Um, first of all, is every Mazzy Star song in six eight? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's just a thing, or maybe it's just those two songs. Um, they're both they're both kind of boring to me. Nothing against them, but. Uh, Again, not my deal. I I thought the the slide guitar, if that's what that was, uh, yeah. I, I thought that was kind of co- a cool element in this one. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just kind of like, well, this I again, I don't know what what this has to do with the Batman soundtrack. <laughs> Maybe someone else can enlighten me and and put it in context. But uh, I I didn't have a whole lot of feelings on. This song, it, it, it's a slow one. I don't know. What say you, Logan? Well, uh, I feel, oh gosh. Uh, should be called Mazzy Star Forever, because <laughs> much like Batman, this song goes on forever. <laughs> and I feel Kinda bad does. for saying that, but it's so long and boring. And I, the guitars are terrible and jangly. I feel like I feel like they've been rubbed down with topsoil <laughs> and finger grease from the chicken wings at some Gotham dump hole bar in the middle of the Narrows. I now see Getting specific Mazzy Star is in there, you know, of course, playing essentially to nobody in that bar. And it's disappointing <laughs> to me. I'm disappointed because I feel like this could have perfectly rounded out my trilogy of like cool, like down tempo like ethereal like i was just pumped like oh yeah this is gonna be awesome because i had heard you know it, it doesn't quite land for me like it does uh with fade like fade into you because that was used in the movie angus but not on the actual mm-hmm. angus soundtrack which is another fantastic 90s soundtrack that i might add angus check it out um but i'm a thumbs down on this one and it's disappointing to me I I will say uh, this song makes Eddie Reader sound like the Ramones. Uh, This song (laughs) makes Eddie Reader sound positively energetic and (laughs) like, I don't know, just balls to the wall. Playing Uh, dead Kennedy songs. This song bores the shit out of me. (laughs) I like the the Massive Attack song, but between the Massive Attack song, the Eddie Reader song, and this one, the listener would be solidly asleep by this point. (laughs) Like, and this song, the thing that sucks is it starts to build up near the end. You're like, ah, it's going somewhere. And then it just like slides back into a coma. You're just like, Oh, (sighs) Nope. We're going back to Boringville. So yeah, I I hate this song. Um, Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) as we, uh, we move into the next song, which is the offspring smash it up. We need to pick it up. All right.
it's kind of interesting to me because this has a bait and switch. It actually, the first like 45 seconds are like acoustic strumming and you're like, oh, it's another Eddie Reader, Mazzy Star one. And then nope, it, it drops out and you actually have like electric guitar come in. Um, it's a cover of The Damned. Uh, this was a Damned song. And uh, the Offspring, at this point in their career, Smash, the album Smash, had come out in 1994, had had several hit singles with, you know, self-esteem and and come out and play. And uh, this song, Smash It Up, was released as a single from Batman Forever. I think it was the fifth and final single, maybe. Um, Could be wrong on that, but it was one of the later singles. It did not do well. And... uh, (laughs) It's another one that's actually in the movie, though. Like, oh yeah, like Brandy. It's in the movie, and it's Robin actually in takes a joyride. The same scene. It's it's when he Dick Grayson is driving that stolen Batmobile through the streets. It's the song that the fades car, into sir. the Brandy song. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so this song for me. Oh, I should mention exclusive to the soundtrack, not available on Spotify. Um, although I did find a weird like covers offspring covers album on Spotify that has this like like somebody covering offspring songs so there's somebody covering offspring covering the damned oh, um that's a little weird and uh so this song for me is I don't I don't know I don't dislike it but I don't like it I think the verses are pretty good uh the choruses not as much uh the one thing I do think about this song is I feel like Joel Schumacher was just like hey Get me a snotty punk song about vandalism. I'm going to play it over Dick yeah. Grayson driving through the seedy part of town. He, he um, was at the arcade with his kids and they were playing Crazy Taxi. And he, <laughs> get, get me those fellows. Give me those picture. guys. And can they play a song about smashing things? Because that's what <laughs> Dick Grayson's doing. But uh, everyone's smashing things. I, I just, uh, I prefer a lot of other offspring songs over this one, truthfully. Uh, if I had to choose, but um, I'm going to take a guess though and say Logan, um, 12 year old Logan hearing this, that this sort of opened some wind, uh, some doors for you. That's my guess that you heard <laughs> well, this and we're like, wait a second. What is this? Well, I never, first uh, off, I should preface by saying I've, I never knew this was a cover of the damned until the last couple of years. So it's, it's somehow surprising to me because it definitely sounds like an original Offspring song, in my opinion, but I, I listened to the original one by The Damned, and it seems like they did it justice pretty well. Um, it's better produced. It's a cleaner sound, and I was a little confused as to why this song wasn't on their famous album, Smash, being that it was called Smash, but I didn't realize <laughs> that it was a cover. But I'm like, The Offspring really likes to smash things. I get it, but uh, you know, I might add. They like to bash it up. Might, uh, yeah, but Noodles was at twelve years old was one of my favorite guitar players because I just loved his style, and so I was glad that the song was on there. I was looking forward to it, and my friends, you know, I wasn't allowed to listen to the Offspring, but my friends like made me secret like mixes or tapes of it so I could. So I was pumped for it, and it. I don't know. It made me excited. I heard it at the end of the movie, so it or in the movie, in the middle of the movie, and it that got me excited for it. But overall, it doesn't stack up to some of the the better Offspring songs, I think. And um, I do like the line, uh, "I don't care if I look a mess. Don't want to be a sucker like the rest." That stands out to me. Um, but Joel Schumacher got his snotty punk music for the Dick Grayson Enter the Glow Stick Gang, is like called it. <laughs> so props, 
props to Blake, you know, for that reference. But uh, yeah, uh, I I like the song, but it's, it doesn't blow me away. I thought it was a uh, a great rebellious soundtrack for 25 year old teenager Dick Grayson to go on his <laughs> joyride. Um, I it was it, it's it definitely sounds off springy though, maybe more uh, maybe a little more sedated. Especially with that that kind of false intro, which is yeah. direct, of course, directly lifted from the damned original, which I went back and lift and listened to. But it's like, oh, like a uh, uh, non distorted guitars. That this doesn't sound like Offspring, but of course, it's kind of a fake out. Um, the uh, the original one, uh, I I like more. Uh, surprise, um, and it's very similar to this, but it it actually has two parts, uh, like a like a longer, yeah, longer false intro or like a uh, an opening movement that that's very uh slow interesting (laughs) ethereal and then that that second little uh acoustic movement and then the the main punk song part um and uh the original has an organ which the offspring did not do Hmm. which i thought was fun to have the organ and and i missed not having it but uh that being said it's one of the more exciting songs on this soundtrack i thought yep not not in love with it but uh you know it's it's decent i kind of like this record or this song um i i hadn't caught that it was a damned uh cover but but it does sound kind of like that um you know a, an earlier generation of punk uh I, I like and 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 i don't know if this was you know intentional or or if if i'm you know being too clever by half but uh this the song is titled smash it up and they've kind of just put a bunch of different parts together uh you know different parts of the song you know i like the intro the um you know the kind of acoustic clean sound you know, i do it too is, it's uh, cool intro is you know really interesting and um i you know i love the kind of the the snarl that that he gets um when he's uh you know doing the everybody smashing things down uh outro uh you know, it's kind of it's it's a song that's that's a little bit dumb, but it's fun, and, and I, I was I was glad to have it, uh, you know, in the movie, not on the record. Yeah, are there better Offspring songs? Yes, probably. Uh, this one was kind of interesting because I hadn't heard it as much, and, and I'm definitely gonna go, uh, you know, seek out that that damned uh, recording, and maybe maybe throw some Buzzcocks in as well because that's also kind of the vibe that I get. <laughs> Uh, yeah, from yep. this, um, you know, late seventies British, uh, you know, not punk, not sure. pop punk, but but popular, <laughs> uh, the the pop punk of the era, you know, lots of skinny ties. Somebody should be wearing a skinny tie. <laughs> they're, they're from the same the school for sure. I was gonna say, look at the music video for the damned song, and yeah, you're you're yeah, dead. I watched that, that wardrobe. <laughs> that was something. All right, next up we've got uh, the king of '90s soundtracks, Nick Cave, uh, with his song "There Is a Light." Sugar, where you gonna go? I'm going downtown, daddy Oh, what you gonna do when you get the girl? I'm gonna get messed up in a god-shaped hole. And hey, Mr. Hockett, what you gonna do? And Nick Cave had been on two soundtracks the year previous, both of those soundtracks featuring Red Right Hand, the X-Files TV show soundtrack and the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. And then but Red it, Right Hand... X-Files was 96, though, right? Was it? Are you, ta- are you talking about the TV show one? Was I'm it? I'm talking about uh, uh, songs in the key of X. I'll, I'll, 
I'll, I'll look it up. But uh, Red Right Hand would also be on Scream, the Scream soundtrack in 1996. And uh, wow. would just, you know, Nick Cave was on a lot of 90s soundtracks. Um, this one in particular, uh, much like the Offspring song, not my favorite song by this artist. I prefer a lot of other Nick Cave songs over this one. Um, it's not in the movie. It's exclusive to the soundtrack, not available on Spotify and or any streaming services. I do think the lyrics to this one kind of fit Batman, though. You've got, uh, there is a light that shines over this city tonight. And uh, ain't there nowhere to run? Ain't there nowhere to go? Yeah, look to the sky, daddy-o. <laughs> um, the, yeah. This light, does it ever go out? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. This song's kind of forgettable to me, truthfully. What do you guys oh think? Oh my God. Uh, Disagree, yeah, Josh. Oh, thumbs down. Oh, so Four is this shame. the one where I'm Jeez. wrong and everybody else is right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Let's all gang... Let's all gang up on Josh. No, someone else go. Smash Mouth wishes that they would have written this song. This song (laughs) rules. It's probably uh, the one that I was most... (laughs) Well, you know, uh, kind of that that 60s throwback, um, you know, lounge lizard, uh, you know, keyboard sound. Yep. You know, I I really like this song. Anytime you're throwing out daddy-o's, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be on board. Uh, the the drum beat and the organ when they're kind of you know leading into the core the there is a light chorus uh, really really works. I love the vocals. Um, you know both kind of the the, the snarly but also the, the more kind of melodic uh, uh, harmonies, um, but still a little bit dissonant on the there is a light lines. I, I really like this song, and and I, you know I'd heard Red Right Hand, and of course you know Logan and Josh and I uh, uh, covered Red Right Hand uh, for a Halloween show several years ago. But uh, this this has definitely uh, you know inspired me to go out and and, and get some more Nick Cave because this, this is a great yeah. one. Oh yeah, yeah. Nick speaking uh, speaking of Halloween shows, Nick, Nick Cave is always always good for a spooky jam. And I think this this falls under that. I I also I love the way I call that like a vocal droning for the the chorus. I don't know how they got that effect other than just layering some kind of lazy sounding vocals for the "There Is a Light" part. But it, it's just I don't know. It's a really good effect to me. Uh, I, I I fuck with this song. The, they do major Smack third to, or minor third to major third, uh, you know, in, in that chorus, and and it really really makes it shine. Yeah. so to speak i mean i i was never i was never a, a big nick cave fan in, in any way but the song did grab me right out of the gate so uh yeah i fuck with it i just I, it's, it's a little bit long but other than that i think it's one of the the top tier songs of the soundtrack why thank you blake <laughs> i go ahead logan i thank you um well i put this on my uh first halloween mix for you guys Ooh, oh, did you? Okay, I did. And well, it, shit. is Two Face singing this? Because I like to imagine <laughs> it that way. Tommy Lee Jones. The the kind of call yeah. and response being employed in the verses lend itself to the multiple personality of Two Face. It's like he'll he'll sing kind of normal, but then he'll sound a little different and angrier, harsher on the on the the latter part. You know, the later part. 
but you know, seriously, I love this song. I you can't find it anywhere else other than this soundtrack. Nope. And wow. this is how I even found out about Nick Cave because believe me, no one in Camdenton was talking about Nick Cave <laughs> and the Bad Seeds. They were too busy and, sucking out the guts of this town. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I wouldn't I wouldn't get another dose of Nick Cave until the following year in 1996 with the album songs in the key of X for the X-Files soundtrack. And can, can I, I jump I just, in real quick, by the way, Logan, and say you are correct. It was that I was thinking 1994, it was on Dumb and Dumber, and it was on an episode of the X-Files, the Dwayne right. Barry episode, but yes. it was not on the soundtrack yet. Sorry, but continue. I, oh, no, no, you're good. I, I just think this song is incredible, and it may be my favorite song on the album. Uh, the imagery is just so real and gritty and grimy and musically it's just like wild it's like a noise symphony or like meets dark gospel or gospel yep. if you will <laughs> uh, I will indeed Logan that's a yes. great turn of phrase it's, it's like the song went mentally unhinged like Two-Face and the lyrics are just amazing almost frightening in a way and you know my favorite line is damn right I am Daddy O. And that also, all the kids are standing around. What are the kids going to do, you know? I'm going to look to the sky, Daddy O. Like, I just, I don't know. It's just a weird, enchanting song. And that was my first dose of Nick Cave. And uh, I just, I love it. I think it's, yeah. Well, I my, uh, uh you know, there's two villains in Batman Forever. There's there's Two Face, who you said that this song is sort of Two Face's song. Uh-huh. The next song is called <laughs> The Riddler, and it's by the uh, one M E T H O D man. Unrealistic wavelength draining all your brain strength, inflicted crosswords, puzzling your doubt, questioning your own mental health. Yeah, it's like a maze within itself. Yeah, check the grimy, slimy, slimy, criminal menial individuality, searching for the dark night, working in the shadows of the city. Hero with Jiggy, my crime committee, robbing every uh, Method Man. It's the only rap song on the soundtrack. Uh, so the the song, the Riddler. Uh, this uh, to kind of give some history and Method Man. So Wu Tang Clan's debut album had came had come out in 1993. Method Man's debut album, Takao, had come out in 1994. And it's worth noting that that album, Takao, would include the song. Uh, All I Need, which was then remixed in the summer of 95. So the same summer that this soundtrack came out, this movie came out. Uh, it was remixed with Mary J. Blige, and it became the biggest hit for Method Man, uh, that All I Need remix with Mary J. Blige. It won him a Grammy and all this stuff. Um, but this song, The Riddler, uh, this is produced by Wu-Tang Clan member RZA, and he actually samples the 1966 Batman theme for the beat. Which is sort really? of interesting, yeah. Um, and cool. this was released as a single. It had a music video. If you haven't seen the music video, you should look it up because in it, Method Man plays a mobster named Don Provolone, who is uh, <laughs> cheese. Wait, cheese? He calls himself Don Provolone. He actually says, "I'm Matt. the big cheese here." Um, You've seen him on the wire. I know right? what you're talking about. Yeah, but he he calls himself Don Provolone. The cheese uh, this stands song, alone. by the way, went to number 56 on the charts when it was released as a single. Um, I do want to put up, point out one lyric. Searching for the dark night, lurking in the shadows of the city, he roll with Jiggy, my crime committee, robbing every Gotham piggy bank blind. Take a journey through a mind of a Riddler. 
Brilliant. So good. Brilliant. By the way, so I, I'd like to give credit, by the way, to Method Man to being the only person who actually attempted to write a song about Batman. Right? Everybody else just like, what song do so, we got lying around? But he was like, no, no, no. They I'm definitely write one about oh, yeah. Batman. <laughs> they definitely put this one in the movie, right? Because it's about nope. the material. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Gets up, leaves. Just <laughs> nope. There's a door slam. Uh, this song was exclusive to the soundtrack as well, I should mention. Um, and uh, yeah, I like this song. It's it's fun. I mean, it's the only rap song on the soundtrack, so it kind of stands out for that reason as well, um, especially coming after like all the other you know kind of songs that's come after it. It very much stands out to me, but I don't know. It's enjoyable. What do you guys think about The Riddler? Smacks. I don't. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it other than it, it, it's really cool, and um, we'll get to it later. How the the Riddler, uh, one of the songs used in the movie is uh, during the Riddler's lair scene, of course. Um, but what if it was this song instead? <laughs> I, or what if when we when when there's like the big reveal of the first time the Riddler comes out in his Riddler suit? Yep. If it just slow mo Riddler and this yeah. song's playing, yeah, plays the entirety of this song as he descends the steps, twirling his question mark cane. Tommy Lee Jones in the background I, being pissed. He's like too much exactly. tomfoolery. Stealing my scenes. <laughs> I hate you and I hate your tomfoolery. Uh, Stealing one the thing show. I thought it was funny that at the top of the song, uh, of course, he references one of his nicknames, Johnny Blaze. And I'm like, that's a Marvel property, silly. Okay. I, I wouldn't get in that whole thing. I was trying to figure out Ghost Rider Johnny Blaze. It's Ghost Rider, okay. but uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised WB didn't try to uh, uh, nix that. But uh, yeah, this is this is exactly what you expect to hear uh, from the meth, except with, with the profanity removed. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, somehow he can still pull it off without that, uh, and it's definitely a RZA song. Oh, for like, sure, it, it sounds sounds straight out of Thirty Six Chambers or something like that. Very, very uh, kind of monotonous, but but doesn't get boring because because the flow's so good i don't know what do you what do you guys think i I think you're right on the money blake i I definitely also uh said boy that you know this is a definitely a a rizza joint um it's got that that snare that's that's really kind of dry and stark but also the the space feels big uh josh you mentioned the lyric i I really like the uh check the grimy slimy slimy criminal individual be searching for the dark night you know that's such a uh, yeah. such a, a prototypical and and um, exemplar uh, Method Man line. Is it my favorite Method Man song? Probably not. But uh, you know, I, I'm I'm definitely g- glad to have you know some diversity uh, on the record, and you know, not have another you know Duncan Cheek song or something. <laughs> that, uh, w- hey. Which is a record that I did own. I, I'm I'm not dogging Dun- uh, Duncan Cheek. I'm I'm just you know. <laughs> Making making more uh, hot nine at nine references, but uh, yeah, I, I like it. Um, I like that he references upstate. Um, I don't think it's. I, I know that, that that's a a, a common Wu Tang uh, re- refrain, uh, talking about going going to jail. But um, I, I'm I was you know really glad to get get into it. 
Yeah, man, as a kid, a lot of my peers were, like, getting into hip-hop and, as they would say, gangster rap, and I just, <laughs> I'm going to preface this with saying that I was more into alternative rock, and the only rap I really had heard growing up was, like, crisscross, MC Hammer, or Tag Team, so I, I wasn't allowed to listen to the classics. anything explicit or violent, so I kind of grew up sheltered from all that, so that being said, this song has really grown on me, actually. Uh, part of me enjoyed this one more because I feel like... I was familiar with the soundtrack rap, like Josh was saying, like from the likes of like the Ninja Turtles soundtrack or Ghostbuster 2 soundtrack, like family friendly rap and R and B, <laughs> like stuff you could, you know, it, it was okay to listen. You could to listen that. to with your grandma, right? You exactly. Played this for your grandma, <laughs> and that's something that I knew. So I love that it has lyrics geared for the movie. I think that's the cool part of it. I love the alley cat cry out in the background. You know. And and the line about the Batmobile, the clever rhymes, Method Man, you know, he's got skills, no doubt. I like the bass line and the overall vibe. Makes me feel like I just entered the glow gang, (laughs) you know, hiding out in the dark alleys of Joel Schumacher's neon lit nightmare. Uh, Music is almost dark carnival, but not like ICP dark carnival, uh, but a carnival that would house the Riddler fortune teller and cue the uh, yes sound effect from uh, (laughs) the Riddler's lair. But I decided I enjoy this song more than I did at 12 years old. So cool. Hell yeah. Well, next up, we've got uh, Michael Hutchins. Is it Hutchins? How do you say his last name? Hutchins? Hutchins? Hutchins. Hutchins, uh, with his cover of the Iggy Pop song, The Passenger. I am a passenger. So, uh, like I said, the cover of Iggy Pop from uh, Iggy Pop's 1977 album, Lust for Life. Uh, This song was written, I read some different sources on this, but basically about him traveling around Berlin with David Bowie. Um, And Hutchins was the lead singer, of course, of In Excess. He had started recording his first solo album in 1995, although I couldn't find if this song was recorded during those same sessions, but it wouldn't surprise me considering the the kind of time period. Uh, That solo album, by the way, would not be released until 1999 after Michael Hutchins' death. So uh, this song, uh, yeah, it's a cover of the Iggy Pop song, although... It didn't doesn't sound like the Iggy Pop song at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. If you compare no, the no, two, it does not. Uh, other than the lyrics, it, it does not sound like it. I do think the lyrics though fit Batman pretty well. You've got like ride through the city's backsides, see stars come out of the sky. Like it's very much about that like nighttime looking around the city kind of thing. It was exclusive to this soundtrack and thus not available on streaming. Um, so yeah, uh, what are your thoughts on the Passenger? by Michael Hutchins. Um, well, I, I differs a lot, obviously from the Iggy pop version we all know and love. Uh, Cause right out the gate, uh, I thought it was interesting that it kind of sounds like a, a MIDI orchestra of some sort. <laughs> um, it almost sounded to me like a video game soundtrack or something. Um, not sure why he went that way. Actually, I, he probably went that direction with it to make it more cinematic, I guess, since, he probably knew it was for the movie. Um, he definitely went for something very different, and uh, he got something very different. I just 
don't know if it hits the mark uh, or if it's a, it, it might be a swing and a miss, but uh, I'd rather just go back and listen to the original, which I found infinitely more enjoyable, upbeat. You uh you said the thing about the the way it, the MIDI orchestra. I did note that yeah. it, when you hear those cymbal crashes, I can't help but think of Fruity Loops. Like it just has <laughs> those those cymbal crashes that cut really quickly. You know that like you could tell they're yeah. done on a computer. I I don't hate this song. I I do in, enjoy it for the most part, although it's not one of my favorites. Uh, it does sound kind of dated. I feel like even for 1984, like I was thinking earlier about how the seal song kiss from a rose, like that could have been a hit if it came out in 1987, when he wrote it, it could be a hit today. I think right. if it came out this one, I don't think can exist in any time period other <laughs> than when it was created. Like it, it, even for those times, it sounds like kind of dated. So yeah. yeah, I don't even know if it could, if it could exist then. <laughs> I don't know. Matt, Logan, what do you guys think? I, I think that I would agree that it's a swing and the miss. Um, part of what I like so much about the Iggy Pop, you know, passenger is, you know, it, it's got that propulsive quality. Um, and, you know, you really kind of, you know, it, it evokes a sense of, you know, riding around in cars and being out at night and, and um, you know, really just kind of gives you a, you know, a feeling above and beyond just, you know, what you're, you know what you're listening to and 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 you know the perceiving the lyrics uh this to me sounds kind of like a dollar store nine inch nails beat um it oh, man. It, it it just it Mom, just doesn't can we do have nine me. inch nails at home nine inch nails at home <laughs> it's, beat. it's that meme <laughs> you guys can't see it but i'm shaking my head <laughs> of course i'm just shaking i, my I head. figured i figured this was the one where we're all right and you're wrong but we'll, we'll find out in a second <laughs> or right oh, now but i want pretty hate machine we have pretty hate machine at home <laughs> oh man <laughs> well, Matt, did you did you have any other thoughts before logan goes off uh not not really uh you know just didn't really work for me but i but i want to i want to hear what logan uh what logan has to say well, I mean, okay, here's the deal. So I think that I had the luxury of hearing this song before the Iggy Pop song. Because at 12 years old, I hadn't heard the Iggy Pop song. I knew nothing about it. So I didn't know that it was a cover. I did. I thought it was just Michael Hutchins' song. I didn't know it was a cover of Iggy Pop. But that aside, I thought the song was really cool. Because I thought it has this orchestral feel to it mixed with this like electronic heavy dirty bass comes in you know just this weird vibe that i really i i, I loved it and i like michael hutchinson's voice it had the nick cave kind of feel almost a goth feel to it but unfortunately this song didn't lead me to in excess maybe i've heard the wrong stuff but i didn't it didn't do a lot for me um it also did. It did lead me to Iggy Pop, um, but I got to it a year later on the Crow City of Angels soundtrack for 1996, and that's when I finally realized that oh, this is a cover. It really made it even more interesting to me because I think it's well done. I think he totally makes it his his own, and it almost it's unrecognizable to the original, which I think is a kind of a cool feat because I mean, like those quiet opening keyboard lines really sound mesmerizing to me i love that quiet opening and now after like years of listening i'm i'm prompted to see if michael hutchins has made solo music that sounds like this because it's it's all thumbs up for me on this song i think this 
I like I said, I think you guys probably heard Iggy Pop before you heard this song um, or his version of it, but uh, I, I think it's cool. Yeah, if, if I hadn't heard the heard the Iggy Pop song, I, I think I would probably have it have a different, uh, somewhat of a different impression. Uh, you know, I, I still think yes. it's, a, it's a little bit plotty, but uh, but you know, I, I definitely understand what he, you know, what what they were wanting to. Or I feel like I understand they were uh, what they were wanting to go for, and and I, I do like those. You know, even if they kind of sound you know computer generated, uh, my favorite part is probably that intro uh, chord progression. R.I.P. By the way. All right, so Indeed. we're in the home. We're on the home stretch, boys. Uh, next up, we've got the Devlins crossing the river. This was the hardest one for me to find anything on. Uh, I found the Devlins are an Irish band from Dublin. Their debut album had come out in 1993, gotten some good reviews from Rolling Stone, and that is all I can find on the Devlins. Um, So they are from Dublin. I got that, Irish. Uh, This song is not in the movie, uh, and it is exclusive to the soundtrack, thus not on streaming. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a ton of thoughts on this song. I feel like this beat was used in a lot of 90s songs. Like, I, I feel like this was a standard 90s, like, loop or something. Uh, it just kind of feels that way. Also, it feels like this is almost a Christian contemporary song. Damn it. Uh, I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, I just was like, if the lyrics were slightly different, I feel like this is a praise song. And it's like, it's, like, well, it sounds like it's a cool adult uh, contemporary Christian song, yeah, you know? I don't I, know. I, well, Logan, yeah, why don't you go ahead and say, what are your thoughts on the Devlin's Crossing well, the River? Uh, some I've heard that some people, you know, thought it sounds like Bono, and uh, I, <sighs> I didn't hear that. Um, so that never crossed my river, I mean, uh, mine. Hey. Uh, but I, I don't really hear that I figured... I don't know. I I figured it sounded like cool adult Christian contemporary. It's a very vanilla song, but I kind of dig some of its mood. It edges towards a dark kind of vibe, which is enough for me to not skip it. In my opinion, it's just a nice non-skippable track. Like, nothing fancy or showy, but it's not terrible. But it's not enough, you know, for me to necessarily seek out more music from them, which I guess they don't really have. Um (laughs) But sometimes you have to cross those turbulent rivers that will, you know, change who you are and your foundation so you can emerge anew with your beloved or whatever they're trying to talk about, you know. Or cross fine. the river like in it's Dark Knight fine. Rises with the bomb in your, yeah. your bat. Your bat uh, yeah. Uh, Blake, yeah. what do you think about crossing the river by your favorite group, the Devlins? <laughs> well, I am a huge Devlins head, like you said. <laughs> Saw some um, shows, man. Uh, a mediocre song with a somewhat catchy chorus uh, that's a little bit forgettable, maybe. It's it's the river you gotta cross gotta. to get to Sunny Day Real Estate. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, where. that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel you on that uh, CCM uh, contemporary beat, but... I didn't have no. I didn't have much thoughts on on this at all. Uh, I am crossing the river to get away from this song. Uh, <laughs> um, 
I agree, Josh, that this was a ubiquitous beat. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, uh, this concludes my Hot Nine at Nine trilogy. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is absolutely a song that I that I would hear on 106.7, uh, you know, around this time. Uh, we've mentioned um, contemporary Christian or, or, or praise music. Uh, to me, I, I get uh, get the vibe of like... Um, Savage Garden, uh, mm. is, oh, I feel yeah. like yeah. Is, is a contemporary. Uh, no Mercy to a lesser extent. Uh, you know, it, it definitely gives me the feels in that I'm. You know, I remember listening to the radio in the mid '90s, but but that's about it. Uh, you know, it just sounds really dated, and there's there's not not a lot for me to kind of uh, hang a hat on uh, here. It's just kind of a meh uh, song for me. Well, on that oh, note, I, I did want to oh. say, I'm sorry, I did want to say, I do like how they uh, they have that that kind of really strummy acoustic guitar that they that they kind of bring up in the mix uh, as an outro. I thought that was a really nice element, uh, you know, that, that kind of said that that did something different or, or something beyond just that standard mid mid 90s beat. Guys, by the way, before we move on, I have to say, do you think what are the odds were? Are we the only podcast that has ever discussed the Devlins? <laughs> Do you think there's any other <laughs> podcast yes. out there that's discussed the Devlins? Somebody get a hold of one of the guys from the Devlins. And be like, we talked about you. Well, and um, somebody mentioned that it sounded him. like Bono. I, I I had thought that myself, and I, I'm I'm glad to hear that I wasn't the only one who thought, man, this guy just sounds <laughs> like he's he, he's uh, you know trying out to be in a, in a U2 cover band because uh, it it Kinda sounds does, like a yeah. U2. You know, like well, they're from Dublin. You know, they're probably right. influenced by. Let's yeah. let's stop talking about this song. Next song, uh, we've got Sunny Day Real Estate with eight. So Sunny Real Estate, their debut album, Diary, had come out in 1994, and they would release their second album in the fall of 95, following the soundtrack. And actually, that second album would include a re-recorded version of Eight, which is now also available on a reissue of Diary. So like this song is on lots of Sunny Day Real Estate albums, apparently. Um, At the time, though, this song was exclusive to the soundtrack, at least until later in that year. It is not in the movie. And I, I like this song, but I like it, I think, because it's a Sunny Day Real Estate song. Like, there's nothing in it that makes me go, like, this is a amazing song that is the best Sunny Day Real Estate song I've heard. It's just like, yeah, I like Sunny Day Real Estate, so this song's pretty good. Uh, it just sounds like kind of a standard Sunny Day Real Estate song. But yeah. uh, I don't know. You guys tell me why I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. It is a standard Sunny Day real estate. No, not that I know, because I'm I was never big into them. But uh, boy, it sure has that that early emo sound that really takes you back to the sound of Sunny Day real estate. I like the intro a lot. I like the little guitar intro part for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I I like it all the way through. I I I wrote that it it kind of bangs, uh, especially compared to uh most of the album it's just a, it's a weird choice once again another weird choice for the album but I, i'm not mad that it's on here because it bangs a little bit 
yeah, I was really pleased to have, have found this. Uh, I had heard in circles before, Josh, I think you'd probably played it for me. I like this uh, more than most of what I heard probably on, on Diary. Uh, you know, this this song bangs. Uh, you mentioned the intro. I love that high guitar part. I love how when everybody comes in, they really pick up the tempo. Uh, Nate Mendel is going to town on that bass. I love that, you know, kind of up and down arpeggiated bass line that really kind of propels things. Um, I, I feel even worse for, uh, is it William Goldsmith, uh, who is the, the drummer yes. that, um, you know, of course, Nate Mendel went on to be in Foo Fighters and William Goldsmith, uh, I think, toured with Foo Fighters and even He's recorded. on the first album. Is, or no, he's not. Dave Grohl played all that. But yeah, he, well, he toured with and, him. Well, yeah. he toured, yeah. yeah. And, re- and he recorded uh, parts for Color and the Shape, as I understand it, and Dave Grohl went back and uh, you know, recorded over them, which, you know, if you're Dave Grohl, I guess, I guess, you know, that's your prerogative, but you know, he, he's got, he's definitely got chops, uh, you know, and, and that was evident, um, in this, uh, in this tune, you know, yeah, it is, you know, kind of prototypical, uh, Sunday day real estate emo, but it, it worked for me in a, in a big way. Yeah. I mean, this, this would have set me back a year or two on knowing about Sunday day real estate at the time. If it, you know, if it weren't for the soundtrack, because, this song is definitely one of my favorite SDRE tunes because I love how it slowly builds and evolves. And then, you know, you got Jeremy Enig's range is really shining here. Um, I always get excited when I hear this track because it just, it starts so peacefully and dreamy. And by the end, the drums sound like waves crashing into us, you know, like to the beach in a storm. And, you know, like, like Matt said, Nate Mandel is, uh, he's just doing that, Whenever Jeremy's singing the high parts, he's doing that noodly bass thing, like do 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 do, and it really you know pushes it forward. But like Blake said, I wonder how they managed to even get on this soundtrack. Like who, like how did that even happen? And <laughs> who did they know? But I would not hear Diary until the spring of 1997, which I think my buddy Tyler let me borrow in middle school, and I have a lot of love for Diary and how it feels to be something on. But anyway, I'm definitely willing to invest in the real estate that you know they're selling here. So <laughs> it is a I'll buyer's buy market. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've made it. The last track is the Flaming Lips "Bad Days." You're sort of stuck where you are, but in your dreams you can buy expensive cars. Or live on Mars and have it your way. And uh, I would say, other than the Seal song and the U2 song, this is kind of the one most associated with this soundtrack in some ways. Uh, it appears in the movie. It's pretty prominent, uh, integral to a scene. It's played when uh, Edward Nigma is trying to come up with a riddle in his lab. And, uh, you know, the Flaming Lips... It is the first song in the movie. <laughs> it is. The, the Flaming Lips were, were fairly well known. They had a huge hit in 93 with She Don't Use Jelly from their album Transmissions from the Satellite Heart. They were in the process of recording the follow-up album to that one, uh, Clouds Taste Metallic, which would be released in the fall of 95. And Clouds Taste Metallic would actually contain Bad Days on it as well. However, Bad Days had first appeared in 1994 on an EP called Due to High Expectations, the Flaming Lips are Providing Needles for Your Balloons. 
Um, so Bad Days, along with Kiss from a Rose, were the only two that were previously released to this soundtrack. Um, people had you know already heard them by the time the soundtrack rolled around. Um, that being said, I feel like this is a perfect choice for the scene it's in. Really fits that scene well. Fits the Riddler well. Um, I I like this song a whole lot. I love Clouds Taste Metallic. It's uh, up there is one of my favorite Flaming Lips albums. Probably it and Soft Bulletin. I would say is my number one, number two. And so yeah, I I really like Bad Days. It's it's just a great fun Flaming Lips song, um, and it fits the movie very well. So uh, yeah, what do you guys think about Bad Days? This is the uh, the child friendly unit shifter entry uh, for <laughs> for this record. I think I think that if this was the only Flaming Lips song that I had heard. I would still like it, um, but I think that there are Flaming Lips songs that I like more than this song. Uh, you know, it's definitely got all of the Flaming Lips things that they do. You know, it's got that great, uh, you know, kind of one mic drum tone. Um, you know, it's Dave got Fridman, re- man. Yeah, the, uh, the really jangly, um, you know, and and kind of you know almost brittle and tinny guitars. Um, you know, in- interesting instrumentation. You know, I, I like the bells. Um, so, you know, th- this song is great. Uh, I-, I don't want to sell it short, but um, there are other uh, Clouds Taste Metallic songs uh, th- that I think when I th- when I think back on my fl- favorite Flaming Lips songs, you know, this one's kind of middle middle of the pack for me. Yeah, it's uh, a decent Flaming Lips song. Not not my favorite. Uh, I thought it was funny how how very literal is used in the movie. Um, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's right after he's been fired by Bruce Wayne, and it's, uh, in your dreams, you can blow your boss's head off. <laughs> and you hate your job and Joel, all that stuff. I don't know if you realize this, but Joel Schumacher is not one for subtlety. So, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the the guy who put uh, the the nipples on the... Uh, yeah. And the enormous, enormous uh, bulges in the crotch... Um, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of like, uh, I, I don't know what they were going for. If it was like, uh, he's, he's a weirdo and this band is kind of weird. <laughs> so we're going to put this in here. Uh, I can't help thinking now, what if it were the, the Method Man song instead? Um, do your own edit. But yeah. I really, I kind of want to go do a little video edit and put it on YouTube. It's the Riddler while he's, uh. Well, he's doing his little thing in his apartment or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Cue the uh, cue the little Riddler robot with the uh, doing the yes and no noises. Yeah, this is a uh, this is definitely the theme song of the workers' plight. If only the <laughs> sweet melodies could sweep us away, so that all our bad days would end. But uh, <laughs> though I'd I'd heard the name before the Flaming Lips, um, but this was my actually this was my formal introduction to them. So it sounds like a few geeks from Bandcamp clashing uh, with some uh, part-time doo-wop singers or something like that. But when that huge like <laughs> kick drum comes in and then that snare, then the big and fuzzy bass, it just drives this unruly school bus of band geeks back to school, ending with some kind of delightful daydream. It's one of the few songs... Used in the movie that I think really works. I th- I feel like it jived perfectly with the Riddler coming home. I sadly would not hear Flaming Lips again until like 2004 when Yoshimi battles Pink Robots. Uh, that didn't come out in 2004. I think it came out in 02, but I didn't hear it till 2004. 
Um, but I think the size of their discography has always kind of scared me off. But I've managed to get through most of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. What a strange band. Flaming Lips are such a weird, strange uh-huh. band. Um, but my favorite line is, uh, or live on Mars and have it your way. <laughs> I like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that, Logan, because I-, I love that line as well. But you got to hit this one up. Uh, it's, it's this one's good. This one's a great one. All right, so uh, let's let's bring it home here. Um, so as far as critical takes, uh, I'll give kind of the critical take, and then we'll go around and kind of do our our banger, etc. There's kind of a split decision here because U2 was nominated for the Raspberry for worst original song in 1995 for Hold wow. Me, Throw Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. Uh, Blake, do you know who they lost worst original song to though? Oh shit, I'm trying to think 95. God, I I, I don't know. I, I, I actually guess. don't know the name of the song, but they lost it to a song from Showgirls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, wait, there were original songs in Showgirls? I guess so. Uh, this, this was the year when the, the Razzies was like Showgirls-themed and everything was all but about that movie. on the and... other side of that coin, Kiss from a Rose won the Grammy for Record of the Year and Song of the Year. However, because it had been released prior, it was not eligible for an Oscar for best original song. Um, Entertainment Weekly gave this album a B minus and all music gave it a three out of five. Uh, okay, let's go around. Uh, the banger. The banger for me is U2, like bar none. All right. I am in the market for some Sunny Day real estate. <laughs> that is my banger. I, I was just so so glad to have found that song. I feel like uh, Kiss from the Rose is the banger, like for the majority. Like if I were to say the banger of this album, it probably is Kiss from the Rose, but it's not my banger. My banger is uh, There Is a Light by Nick Cave. I think that's the best song on the album. Um, But I do really like Kiss from a Rose, and that's probably like the the majority. Like, oh, if you had to pick a banger, it'd be either be U2 or Seal. Those are the heavy hitters. I feel like that's just me. Yeah i I don't want to just like parrot what Logan just said, but I mean, "Kiss from a Rose" is like what you're supposed to say, right? But it's not. It's not what I feel. Yeah. And and maybe against all maybe against all odds, to me, the banger is "There Is a Light." Oh, by Nick Cave. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> that's where uh, I'm going. Then we got Don't Sleep On It. Don't sleep on it. For me, that is Massive Attack uh, with Tracy Thorne, The Hunter Gets Captured by the Game. Or I also put as a possibility Eddie Reader, because I do think that Eddie Reader song is, at first glance, maybe not great, but I think there is some greatness within it, like melodically. That would be kind of cool to see maybe either a different version or a cover or something, but... I'll probably have to go with Massive Attack because it's the one that kind of crept up on me the most, I feel like. So that's my don't sleep on it. Uh, what about you guys? I can't, or uh, had slept on Nick Cave and I was awoken uh, by the light, Daddy O. <laughs> uh, I-, I love you that have song. Seen the light. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and was just so, uh, so thrilled to have, uh, have found out about it. Uh, so, so my don't sleep on it is uh, there's a light. I kind of want to say, don't sleep on the Riddler, baby. I'm the Riddler, baby. <laughs> um, 
it's uh maybe it's obvious but yeah i mean it's right out there go go get you some riddler from the you method can't man. miss with the method man and rizza right i'm uh don't sleep on a massive attack with tracy thorn hey okay. all right and now i'm very excited about this next one because i've been wondering <laughs> for a while what everyone's skip it will be skip it, skip it. so my skip it is that mazzy star song that song mm. sucks <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. that's just mean it's not but a I good mean, yeah, song i love fade into you man. though i should say that but that song is boring um yeah so that's my skip it is mazzy star it's not as boring as crossing the river i am crossing the river <laughs> to get away from that song it just you just what are, what are we doing here guys i'm crossing the river uh mazzy gets the razzy for me <laughs> nice Fucking yeah. nice. Okay. I don't want to gang up on Mazzy Star. I'm literally still debating between a few. Hang on. Does Jessica have a knife to your throat right now? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah. She said, She said if you say Mazzy Star, divorce time. Um, Blink twice if let's... you're in distress, Blake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll come across on a podcast. Um, I'll, say, I'll say skip. Michael Hutchins, R.I.P. Oh, the passenger. Nice try. Maybe next time. You're telling me Uh, you would skip Michael Hutchins and you would listen to that Mazzy Star song? Yes, I fucking would. I don't know. There's a bunch. That song is. That song is fucking. uh, It's uh, it's audio ambient. Like it just like (laughs) puts you to to sleep. (laughs) It's not. That song to to my ears is not that different from Fade Into You, which I also find boring. So it's like it doesn't matter to me. Uh, there's a lot of skippable ones on this, but I won't go in. I won't go that deep into it. Well, that actually kind of gets to our overall uh, thoughts. Uh, yeah. Or first, Wait, I guess we should say, uh, our, go our, ahead. Well, uh, our cover. That's right, cover. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody else go. I haven't. I, I need to think for a sec. I'm gonna cover so you too. I, I want to hold hold me, thrill me, kiss okay. me, kill me. I think that would be fun. Work out a weird cover of that. It's just weird. Okay. The Riddler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree, Logan. Uh, there's, a, there's some really interesting uh, guitar work. Uh, uh, I do not want to cover The Riddler. Uh, you know, Matt gets the yeah, rap. Yeah, you do. Matt raps. Just like the because band. Yo, MTV I, I would... Matt raps. <laughs> Only if you start. Only if you start Matt by giving the whole speech from the video where he's like, "Who does that rat think thinks she is? I'm Don Provolone. Don Provolone. Is that what he said at the? It, I was like, rum, 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 rum. like, what does he say at the beginning? That's so weird. He says, "Who does something like who does that rat think think she is? I don't know what he's talking about, but uh, anyway, he may- it's the only. It may be the only Method Man song that a white man could legally <laughs> rap." <laughs> Torture, motherfucker. Uh, Matt, Matt, what's your cover? Uh, I, I want to cover uh, the Sunny Day Real Estate song. It just sounds like a lot of fun to play. I mean, it, it, I'm sure it'd be challenging, but um, but it's just it's so high energy. Those vocals. Damn. That, that's fair. Uh, uh, I don't think I'm talented enough to pull it off. Um, I, I'll say I'll throw everyone off and just cover Kiss from a Rose. Get get real weird with it. Oh, I've been <laughs> I, yeah. There is an arrangement that, that could work, I, I, I'm sure. I That would be an interesting well, understanding. I think I'm I, actually going to say Mike... What? Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm actually going to cover uh, 
the opening bars of that seal song and i want you guys to tack it on the beginning of this just a really like i want to try to do da 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 i want to try to do the harmony part so just be aware be aware um yeah Okay. Uh, I was going to say, you know what actually I would cover is the Eddie Reader song. And the reason is I, I do feel like there's a good song in there. And if you did a more full production of it, like I just I think you could find the song that's within there that's not bad at all. I um, appreciate that, Josh. So that's, that's my nice. cover. Okay. Do it more in a, in a rock style. Yeah. And could, pick it, it up a little bit. and Yeah. It would be a different too vibe out of it. Uh, uh, vinyl? Do we who buy this on vinyl? Uh, I, I'm gonna. I would like that uh, green and pink vinyl, yeah. but other than that, I, I'd probably go with a no for me. I've got it, so that's I a mean, yes for me. Uh, yeah, I don't think I need to own this on vinyl. <laughs> I I wanted to. I wanted to have that Urban Outfitters purple and green, but I mean, after getting intimate with the songs, I don't know that I like it enough to justify buying it. All right. Well, let's get to our I'm overall rating. What's that, Logan? I said I'm the only crazy one. No. I I it looks cool. Uh so my rating it when is. I took the number of songs I would honestly go back to and the songs I would skip, I actually got a perfect split, 7 out of 14. So that is a 50% for me. Um if I had to give it a a, a metric, I would say you know, I'll round, I'll, I'll round up and say maybe two point five uh, to three bat nipples. Um, <laughs> uh, but if I had just heard this, would I want more of this soundtrack? Would I want the same person to put together more of that for me to listen to? I'd probably go with no. But that's my take. Uh, Blake, what do you think? Holy metal! Oh shit! What does he say? Holy rusted metal, what Batman. Oh yeah. What a dumb line. <laughs> Sorry, that was apropos We're of all, nothing, but you know, come on, come on, man. Holy rusted. Exactly, exactly. We know what you're doing, Schumacher. Um, so I'm just wondering, out of 14 songs, six are made by Americans, and one is an American band covering a British band, and I'm just wondering, why does this album hate America? <laughs> Uh, so for that reason and because this is so slanted toward the the traitorous brits <laughs> i'd give this a uh uh oh, i wish i i should have thought of a clever batman themed uh i give it um uh, two and a half batarangs out of five mm. i give this uh 12 out of 14, so I liked 12 out of the 14 tracks, so that lands me about 86%. I don't know, what is that, like, uh, for a guy that's at the Enigma party whenever Batman crashes through the ceiling, uh, Batman! Macfisto! (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about? When Batman crashes through the top of that, like, thing, and some guy points up, and he goes, Yes. Batman! was that the guy he saved was that the guy he saved at the beginning of the movie sounds like him because he's like that's boiling (laughs) (laughs) boiling the acid was boiling for acid (laughs) boiling acid (laughs) god damn uh that movie I, i think i'm right there with uh with with Blake and and Josh, um, I you know 
I don't do as much arithmetic on, on my ratings. I kind of just go by feel. And this, this to me feels like three graying towers uh, by the sea out of five. Um, you know, a little bit better than average, but but not not by much. But but I am uh, glad to have uh, have revisited it and and um, and and you know learned some some new songs and and you know got some new new lines on, on some new bands. Well, that is what we uh, do on this podcast. I actually think that's one of the the great things about it is we dive deep into uh, usually an artist discography. This time, just a palate cleanser, talking about an, a single album, Batman Forever. Uh, but we are getting ready to start another artist discography, and we have uh, discussed it some, but it's ultimately up to Mr. Blake. Uh, who has yeah. the pick. And uh, Blake, would you like to reveal who the next artist is? Now, he's revealing it, by the way, not only to listeners, but technically <laughs> also to us, because we, we have some ideas of things he's possibly thought about, but we don't have a final choice yet. So, Blake, would you like to what? tell us what your final, like, what are, what are we going to, uh, whose uh, discography are we going to get into for the next few weeks? What if I was just like, it's Celine Dion. It's the guys. Devlins. That's what I landed. <laughs> um, our next artist. Here's the exclusive, folks. Get ready. We're going more contemporary this time. Uh, we're doing another rock trio. That's really great. But it's your favorite sisters, your favorite millennial sisters from Los Angeles. That's right. It's Heim, not Haim. Heim. Air horn. Nice. I'm pumped about that. So, uh, was, Haim, was the youngest Haim even born when Batman Forever came out? Was Alana? Prob- probably not. She was probably a fetus at that point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- three albums worth of goodness from Haim are coming at you. So stay tuned for that. Please. Right. I'm excited. I've not heard much, if any, Haim. So it's I, me neither. I'm hoping you like it. Yeah. So next week will be a pregame, and then we'll dive into the first Haim album. Uh, which, uh, Blake, what is that first time album called? It is called Days Are Gone. Cool. So we hope you will join us for that. By the way, I looked it up. Alana Heim was born in 91, so she was definitely alive. Um, and do we want to plug anything? I was going to say for, you know, not... <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. Uh, H-A-I-M. Heim. That's that's for our listeners out there. H-A-I-M. That are, aren't hip to a, a, what As you can guess, about. by the way, going into it, uh, this is going to be an interesting one for some of us uh, who, like, uh, th- th- this this is going to be a, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes. This is a different <laughs> pick for us, but. I hope it's I'm not excited. a disaster. I'm excited, though. It'll be good. We'll see. Want to plug some stuff? Uh, Blake, what do you want to plug? Yeah. Um, check out other podcasts on our network. Are you there pod? My wife's podcast about young adult books that I produce. We just did the novelization of clueless and we talked about the movie and it was really fun. Uh, we also talked about the Netflix new babysitters club show. Do I have anything else? You can check me out on Instagram at esteemed author. That's it. You can watch me doom scroll at Edward James almost on Twitter, and we are out of Twitter jail, or I have at least uh, we we've got a new home on Twitter. It's the Discographology Podcast, so uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, you know hear, hear ideas for for who you want to hear us uh, talk about and uh, what you think of the show. So that's uh, the Discographology Podcast, and it's at Discograph Pod. 
And I know we are a mouthful when you're trying to search for us, so here's a little mnemonic that I find helpful. Take the word discography, remove the Y, and add ology. Oh, that's all. If you want to check out... See? Easy. Easy. If you want to check out some of my music that I'm creating or the uh, playlist that I made of weird Batman Forever extras and commercial and TV spots, uh, you can check out yes. Logan Williams' music and enjoy. And that's on YouTube, and, right, Logan? Yep, YouTube, Logan Williams' music. You can check out more of that on all major streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, etc. Also, you can go to our moreofthat.bandcamp.com page to listen and download our music. And here is one of our songs, The Sound the Sky Makes.
fire.